0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Hello, welcome everyone to the spotlight here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by Steven Jensen. Jensen, I see the stardust mask in the background. You hang it up like it's, it's like a banner last after last week's show
2: yeah it's like when you uh retire like a football jersey in an arena yeah it's kind of uh (laughs) that's kind of what's going on actually what legitimately happened is you know i have all these like ufc like mini posters all framed and the i i backed this into one of them on accident and like broke the frame so there's just this big gap (laughs) in my wall and so i was like you know what i'll throw you know, we got Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back soon. I've got my sign, Steve Austin plaque, WrestleMania 14, piece of the canvas there, and then a little Stardust tribute. So um, some some relevant topics in the world of wrestling. I might keep changing it up, too. I, mean, I might use a space behind me as, like, a uh, – just, like, puts different stuff behind me for a little while just to just see if it pops anybody. So
3: Hall of Fame message,
2: JJ, yes,
1: exactly. All, always good about uh, popping the boys. That's what, that's what we're all about, right? See, me, I have nothing. i just a plain – white walls, like the Macklemore of the <laughs> shit. and a fan back there. Even when I do do this show from other areas, it's always just plain white walls in the background. At some point I'll have like an actual office set up and I'll have all my Funko Pops and, and everything behind me so people can see what I'm all about.
2: Until then, white walls. I've got all my Funko Pops behind the camera, so they're all in <laughs> like... Man, I, one day I'll do like a room tour. It's a very small room that I'm sitting in, but like I'm just surrounded by wrestling memorabilia. Like all over the place. See, a lot, everyone has
1: like cool setups. Mine is just, here we go. Here's Jeremy's trapped in his uh insane asylum with the white walls and everything. You need the straight jacket <laughs> trying to break out of it.
2: It's like your okay. uh the the um I don't know what you call it, your vignette of uh breaking out of yeah, the political. Yeah. The playground breakout, yes, the, the cold open for that
1: one. <laughs> uh, guys, guys, send your Super Chats, send your Humper Chats. You can go to HumperChats.com, Super Chats right here on YouTube. Get your question, comment, statement read on the air like our pal JJ. JJ says, hello, my favorite big star, king of the Indies watch Hope y'all are doing well. My spotlight was No Surrender, tremendous show. Love you both. We will talk a little bit of, of, of No Surrender. I know Jensen did their review with Denise Alcedo after the show on, yep. on Saturday, but I got a little bit of No Surrender that I would like to talk about as well uh we'll get into that but we are going to start with i think one of the best promos i've, I've ever seen honestly edge's open challenge on raw steven oh, jensen <laughs> what a promo this but...
2: man you swerved me i thought you were about to say something else <laughs> we are going to talk about both of these promos today aren't we or was that we not uh <laughs> yeah that was your uh yeah yeah, we'll yeah. Get to
1: well, we are going to start with mjf's promo last night I didn't know where this man was going at, at the start of it. I was worried where he was going at, at the start of it because I thought he was just going to rehash, oh, CM Punk quit. Like, he kind of did that in Cleveland. Like, that was kind of the, the Cleveland problem. It was like, you're a quitter. Like, all right, I get that. But when he went personal and told how, like, I wanted to be a wrestler, like, that was not just another day for me. You made me want to be a wrestler and then you quit. And so I quit. And then I saw that photo and I was not going to. <laughs> I was not going to give up on my dreams. Then I came back. So I'm going to be better than you in spite of you. Oh, man. Just A plus stuff from MJF. The emotion he conveyed with this whole thing. I love Punk coming out afterwards and being like, is this true? And he's like, yeah, it's true. And like he got a tear going and everything. They turned him babyface with this promo. I, I don't know about you, but I thought MJF total babyface after this promo.
2: Dude, I love this. So so this was my AEW spotlight this week, was the MJF promo from last night. And um, so I've seen him cut pretty much this exact promo before in Southern Underground Pro. Y'all can find that on IWTV. Um, there, it was years back, but he had this injury. He came out on crutches, and the guy who runs up or, or used to, Righteous Jesse, uh, Jesse Butler, he was in the ring. And now what took this promo to the to the next level on AEW last night, in my opinion, versus what I've seen him do previously with like similar material is the added layer of the CM Punk story that that is that's the side of this that I think makes it even better right now is like. He can link it all to because like I've heard him tell that story before about being in school and having kids call him Jew boy and throw quarters at him and call him like a lot of like really, really, really hurtful stuff and I am Jewish, you know, so growing up, I actually went through some similar stuff, like, you know, with people making fun of me for for my religion when I was a kid and stuff, and so, like, so, so, but going back to me seeing him do a similar promo to this before, what he wound up doing was he cut a promo just like this, and everybody was cheering him in the the bar, in Nashville, Tennessee, Basement East, we're all cheering, we've all turned the corner, like, we're all like, all right, man, we gotta be cheering MJF, like, this guy, and he couldn't wrestle that night because he was injured, so, like, on top of it, like it's this whole story, and he can't wrestle, so like he's so you feel double bad for him. He's injured. He's he's telling the story. He's pouring his heart out, and we're all like, man. And then he he turns around and kicks Jesse right in the nuts, and we're all <laughs> like, oh, come on, man! Like and and he got us. You know what I mean? It was like, and what last night, I made it even cooler once again. Was CM Punk comes out. And MJF doesn't do that this time. This time MJF like just leaves it be. And now it's kind of on CM Punk to be like, wow. And now some people might look at this feud a bit differently and be like, you're right. Like CM Punk did quit on us. Like MJF is kind of just out here telling the truth right now. And there's nothing really that CM Punk can really even say back about it. Like it almost reverses the roles. But I promise MJF will get all that heat back very soon. Like he'll do something dastardly to to CM Punk that's gonna make everyone go, oh man, I felt bad for you last week. And I I hate you even more because you made me feel bad for you and you're still an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, so um, so yeah, I I I would uh I I have a lot of thoughts on this promo. I thought I thought it was an incredible promo. Incredible promo. And once again, I've heard I've heard that coin story before. I feel like it might it might be a legitimate thing. I don't know for sure, but I think that might have been something that really did happen to MJF. And the way that when he was talking about it, he was crying, like like actual tears running down his face while he was doing this. So like, man, what did you think? I thought it was I just thought it was an incredible
1: promo. I I mean he's had a lot of good promos over the past year. Eddie Kingston has had, had a lot of great promos. Punk has had I mean the punk Kingston stuff, which is less than a year old, that was November, maybe October. Uh, but it was for the November pay-per-view. Um, like th- there's been some incredible promos over the past year. But this, from from a storytelling p- perspective, from just the emotion that MJF had to give on this, because, like, Eddie Kingston cuts great promos. He, he gives great emotion and stuff. This was a different kind of emotion that MJF was able to pull out of stuff. Eddie Kingston is just, like, kind of being Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. He makes you feel things. I thought his promo last night was great as well. Uh, but like MJF going to this depth with, with this promo just puts it on a different level for me. I, I thought it was tremendous. And you're right about at some point, MJF is going to do something to, to turn this around. Um, I suspect next week because next week's the go-home show for the pay-per-view. So I suspect it'll happen next week. I was glad they did not do it last night because they could have easily done the whole pump comes out. He's concerned like, is this true type of thing? And then MJF just does the cheap shot, then and then you just kind of step on that moment a little bit like, oh, like we felt bad for you for like two minutes, and then now you're a dick. I like that they're gonna let this sit for at least a week, and again, babyface MJF like they have babyfaced him for an entire week now, and now it is on CM Punk to respond. It's like, how do you respond to something like that? You, this man just told you he is the reason or you were the reason that he got into wrestling and you were the reason that he quit wrestling for a while. And now he's back here to, to spite you. And now he just wants to beat you to prove that he's better than you. Like, how do you respond to something like that? Because when he did the promo on Cleveland, we talked about it. I thought punk uh, got ate up by MJF when, when he was like, Oh, I quit, but I came back. And like, I never gave up on the fans and stuff and all and, and whatnot. I was like, I don't know, man. MJF is making points. And I, he made some more points last night and I'm very interested in what Punk has to, to respond to this.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, I'm full disclosure. I'm personally a way bigger fan of MJF than CM Punk, just like overall. Um, And I have been for, for quite a while. Like MJF's a guy I've been following for years and you know, he's been so good and he's, I think only like 24 now. And I think he's been wrestling for probably like six years or so at this point. So it's like, I'm definitely a big MJF fan. And I definitely have my my thoughts on CM Punk. I think he's a great professional wrestler. Um, but I think I feel a lot about the same way MJF does about a lot of this. Like as a wrestling fan, where it's like, you were the guy talking about a change. You were the guy that got us all to buy into you being on the same level as John Cena. We were out there buying your merchandise and all this stuff. And then you kind of quit on us. And then, you know, unfortunately for me, I'm also a massive fan of the UFC. So then I saw what he did there and I was like, oh man like I don't know if I can be a CM Punk fan anymore like you know what I mean like this is kind of embarrassing I was getting I was getting crap from the MMA community for supporting him you know I was like oh man like and then he and now he's back and I think he's done great since returning don't get me wrong I think he's done he has over exceeded my expectations in the ring with these promos with uh I can't wait for him to eventually turn heel like I really want that yeah but but I I I two thumbs up for CM Punk's return since coming back to aew and honestly his return like to the company in chicago like back to pro wrestling that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen in the history of wrestling i mean so i'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like um pretend like i'm like this giant cm punk hater but at the same time like when mjf brings this kind of stuff up i get back in my own head and kind of go you know like there's a lot of truth in what he's saying and I also like the – I think MJF should pretty much be perennially a heel, like his whole career. But you get this little glimpse into people wanting to love this guy because he's great in the ring and he's great on the mic. He's a great professional wrestler, and he's only going to keep getting better, and he's so he's not even halfway through his career. I mean, he's pretty much just getting started if he stays healthy. But I've heard Sean talk about this, I believe, and I've been on the same kind of wavelength with this idea – imagine and we don't have to go down this whole rabbit hole but i just think about stuff like this when i see glimpses of mjf as a potential baby face if cody returned to aew right like if because i'm still not completely sold he's going to wwe i think it's a very good chance he does but i'm not completely sold on it like a lot of other people are if cody Rhodes comes back to aew as a heel and uses the loophole that he's not an aew wrestler to get a world title shot and he beats hangman for the title and now you have a heel cody Rhodes as your role champion, the the coolest story ever would be the roles being reversed. And now MJF is the one the crowd has to get behind and be like, you know what? Like we got to choose the, the lesser of two evils. We hate Cody, like MJF get rid of this guy for us. And like MJF has to be a baby face for like this one particular kind of story. And it also ties back to MJF and Cody's whole history at the beginning of AEW with him being his mentor and everything. And, and him costing him the match against Jericho for the title and all that stuff. So, like, um, anyway, that's just me, like, really thinking even deeper about this stuff. Because AEW does a lot of stuff right in front of your eyes. They, like, hide it in plain sight where, like, they they plant seeds for stuff. And then, like, you realize that was important, like, way later on. And this could be something like that where it's, like, they have tested the waters. Like, MJF can get the fans to cheer him. They just proved it last night. So they have that in their back pocket if they ever need to use it. So I think last night accomplished a ton of stuff and I'm even more interested in, in this match with, with MJF and punk, because I thought they did a fantastic job the last time and MJF beat him twice in the second city. I love that whole story. And I'm a little bit worried that MJF's going to lose the punk at the pay-per-view, but I'm really, really into the story. So like, regardless of the outcome, they've done a great job building this.
1: I, I was into the story last week after punk's promo i thought punk uh, his dog collar promo was, was great and obviously playing off the the piper valentine and then punk and raven the the roh match uh that, that we've watched together uh the you know him doing the dog collar match there i was really i really like that that story i really like that promo and i like that they went with a dog collar match because it is something different it is something like definitely out of mjf's element as far as mjf being a baby face. There was the glimpse of it last night. Yeah, I think for this week he is a baby face. We'll see what what happens next week. And I think the Cody story is something they maybe wanted to do with down the line and it could still certainly happen because I still think Cody is going to WWE. Even if he comes back, I don't think he's going to be, you know, immediately inserted into the world title picture. I do think down the line there was that story of Cody being the heel, MJF being the face, Cody having the title mjf and that's one of the ways he, he gets the title and i don't know if it would have been his first reign his second reign or, or whatnot but i do think that was a story they may have had in their back pocket down the line and they can still go to that because at the end of the day with cody i, I do think he's going to WWE. i think eventually he makes his way back to AEW in some capacity i don't know if that's a year two years whatever it might be so that story could still be in their back pocket for whenever they they decide to potentially use it but the thing about mjf is like the diversity of this man as a performer is you think he's just like a heel and he's great as a heel. And I'm not always in love with all of his heel promos. Uh, I think there is a lot of low hanging fruit that he ends up uh, taking that I I don't always, I don't, I'm not always a fan of, Uh, but when he like really sinks his teeth into a promo and like attacks somebody and doesn't just go after low hanging fruits up, he, he can bite really hard at these guys. And then you, so you got that on the heel side last night, tremendous babyface promo where he conveys this legit, like crying emotion and gets fans to turn on him uh, and cheer him. We've seen him do song and dances with Chris Jericho uh, in the ring. Like he he's underrated in the ring because he doesn't have that many matches, but every single one of his matches is very good. Like he is just top to bottom, a complete performer.
2: Last year, my favorite match of the entire year, any company was MJF versus Darby Allen. Love that match. I remember when so. we when we reviewed that show, I was shocked. I was like, wait a second, that that this the same show that had
1: hangman and omega and uh Sinemiro da- da- Danielson and Miro was on that show and, and punk and kingston was on that show. And yeah, you went MJF and Darby Allen and not only for the show that was your favorite match of the year which is which speaks volumes about you as a person and your terrible taste but also volumes about mjf and just like his performances
2: he's such and he's just such a great all round performer like in the storytelling no one else is quite as good at it in my opinion as he is and for him being so young that's what puts it like really over the top for me is like He's doing this in his early 20s. This is insane when you really think about how good he is. Like, and part of what I love so much about the match with Darby was how he was talking about beating him with a wrestling move, beating him with a headlock. And then the first movie he did was a headlock. And then the last movie he did was a headlock after he hit him with the diamond ring and all that stuff. But it was like, it was just such, and and on top of it, it was the opening match of the show and the crowd was white hot for that. So like, yeah, it is everything considered. And I'm a big uh, a big fan of these these young AEW guys like him and Darby. Like this is, it's cool to see AEW pull the trigger on these kind of guys. When you know in most in most scenarios and other big companies, a lot of the time it'd be a lot slower of a build because it's like they're young, they got to prove themselves, and they got to lose to the big stars over and over and over again. This is like these guys are main event level guys, and they're young, but they're so good that like I I am a fan, I, I am a believer. MJF used to say this all the time ta- uh, talent over tenure and i believe that like if you're the best i don't care how many dues you've paid i want to see the best wrestlers uh, wrestle the best wrestlers so um that, that's a lot that has to do with like why i like that mjf and darby match so much uh
1: miss kate Faye, our pal kate says kept waiting for wardlow to come hit him with the chair not giving us that made it better love you both been too long since i've harassed you both yes it, it you know, you don't have to harass us all the time. But hope you're doing well, Kate. I uh, Hope you're not a four-time COVID champion anytime soon. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad they they didn't do anything like that again. They could have.
2: I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And thank you, Kate. It's good to see you as always. Um, no, don't say that. It's a little not, bit. It's a little big leap for life. Um, it's really not great
1: to see Kate.
2: But uh, but I mean, and that's the thing too, and that's the other whole layer of MJF that we're not even talking about right now. He has. Another humongous storyline just waiting in Wardlow right now. So, like, regardless of what happens with him and Punk, you know, he's going to be yeah. right back there in another main event level feud with Wardlow, like, right away. So, it's like, I mean, there's just so many things lined up long term for for these guys and, and these girls. There's everybody in the company that it's like, that's what gets me so excited about AEW. There's a lot of reasons to get excited about AEW, but, like, there is no shortage of just great stories and dream matches with the roster they have. So, like, yeah, uh, but Wardlow, it's going to be interesting because we, we've been waiting for Wardlow to turn on MJF for years now, and it seems like it's going to happen soon. So I'm very interested to see, like, how they actually wind up actually you know executing it. Do you think
1: – I saw this a little, a little bit chatter online. Do you think this storyline – I know it's not done yet, but do you think it is or has the potential to be – the best AEW story. And I don't know about you. I think that Omega hangman is is there and that's a tough one to top, but do you think it, it has, it already has, or depending on how the next couple of weeks play out, how the match
2: plays out, do you think it has the potential to top Omega and hangman? It depends on the match because as, as amazing as the story was the long-term story of hangman and Omega, um, I I'm not going to say it was let down by the match where Hangman finally won, but it wasn't like the best match I've ever seen in my life kind of thing. Like it was really, really good. I mean, you definitely want to go out of your way to watch it. And it was, it was the perfect way to end that story or at least put the story on hold while Omega, um, you know, takes time off right now. But, um, but I mean, if, if, if punk, cause here's the thing, part of me wants to say, well, I don't, I just don't see it like punk being able to, 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 to be able to him and MJF, I don't know if they can top an Omega and Hangman match. I don't know. I just don't know if they can. But then I think about like Punk and Kingston was like really good. Like Punk and Darby was really good. And I think that MJF is is every bit as good as these other opponents that um that Punk has had. So if they can go out there, if they can have well, let me put it this way if they could objectively, and it's all it's all just matter of opinion, depending on what you like. If I like the Punk and MJF match at this pay-per-view more than I liked the Hangman versus um, Omega match where Hangman won the title, then I would say this is probably the best that they've done, like all around for like a story in AEW so far.
1: It will depend on the match. Obviously, that's the the climax. Or everything they've already had one great match. Yes, I mean, kind of two, uh, but their their television match um, mm-hmm. was already. Fantastic stuff for a TV match. I suspect that the dog collar match will be really great as well. It will depend on how it closes, uh it by like like the match closing. Like Punk wins, how he wins, MJF wins, how he wins, and sort of just how they wrap up the story. I'm not ready to say it has surpassed Hangman and Omega just yet because I don't know how they're gonna wrap that up. Hangman's story, you knew how Hangman was. was going to win the title that was going to be the wrap on that and i I really enjoyed that match i thought it was exactly what it needed to be and it left uh some open-endedness to do the the rematch between the two it will depend on how they wrap up but like the way they have done this story and the real life element to it especially with that promo last night some of the promo what was the the thanksgiving promos that they cut against each other was just top-notch stuff uh yeah if the match delivers and it concludes in a does not even have to be a satisfying way uh because i don't know what a satisfying way is for a lot of people um but if it concludes in, in a satisfying way as a conclusion whether that's you know whatever your taste may be uh as far as how you feel about personally as far as a conclusion goes will it be satisfying it definitely has the chance to surpass um hangman and omega and jj says does this main event the show i thought about that earlier because there was chatter of uh, Thunder Rosa and Brick Baker main eventing, and I didn't, I don't see that at all. Um, I thought about like what should main event, and this feels like their hottest feud. It feels hotter than Omega or not Omega, uh, Hangman and Cole. So I would probably right, right now, if I'm picking, I'd close with this match.
2: Yeah, I, th- I mean, what a great problem to have. Two, if you're AEW, yeah. like, oh, there's such a stacked card from top to bottom. Um, And also just to kind of both of our points about, like I I thought that Hangman versus Omega was better than the first Punk and Punk and MJF match. Like I love the Punk and MJF match on Dynamite, but like I would rank Omega and Hangman above that. And that's why I'm saying like at this pay-per-view, if they can outdo that this time, then like I think that that's why it would be so high for me. And like, I mean, I'd be totally fine with them um, main eventing this show i i mean i would have no problem with that um yeah i i like i mean i, I feel like they'll go with hangman and cole though just because it's the world title
1: i th- i think they will as well I, I think they they will just end up going hangman and cole but again if i had my choice the, the show that i think should close or the match that i think should close it would be punk and mjf right now
2: yeah yeah and the good thing is there's no wrong answers here like all these you can take like five different matches off that card and be like oh these are all main event matches um you i can, mean even like jericho and kingston's like got a ton of heat behind it like I, that wouldn't main event that but like that's a big time match i mean yeah sad. uh
1: yeah i mean danielson and, and moxley you can main event yeah. with that like that's gonna be a great <laughs> match for so they yeah there, there's there's no you're right there's no wrong answer they have plenty of uh great matches lined up for revolution and i'm looking forward to that show we'll we'll, we'll dive more into revolution uh next week but my aw spotlight for this week is Jonathan ross sap reporting that isaiah swerve scott shane swerve strickland swerve the Realist, just swerve whatever you want to call him Uh, has signed or will be signing with aew plan is to debut him first week of march i imagine it'll be the event after revolution unless there is a wild card spot in the revolution ladder match and then i could see him debuting there but it looks like swerve is aew bound i feel like this was pretty pretty much in the cards once wwe released him because he was kind of the, the top free agent out there a guy that just can do it all in the ring uh just has a presence about him whether it's in a video package or or in a in the ring as as far as a promo but and has as a crossover appeal as well And, and i tweeted this i've listened to a lot of swerve interviews over the past week he's really making the the media rounds and he he comes off so well so likable he's not afraid to to say what's on his mind and i just grow to like this man more and more every time I hear him talk. And I think there's there's a lot of potential for him in AEW. Um, they got a lot of people that they need space for right now, and I think they got more coming in. I mean, Keith Lee just signed. Buddy Matthews made his debut last night. Jeff Hardy is apparently going to be there pretty soon. Like They got a lot of spots to fill and stuff. I see Swerve, at minimum, he's your, your TNT champion. And down the
2: line, I could easily see him holding the world title where are you at on swerve and AEW? i agree with everything you just said um he's another guy i've been pulling for for a long time like years ago back when i started like interviewing wrestlers um he was still in lucha underground as kill shot and i i interviewed him for, like, he did like an hour on my podcast so he had no reason to and I was, i've always just been really grateful for him and guys like him that gave me a chance when like they there's literally no reason to and uh you know, I I loved him as Killshot and Luch Underground, and then to follow his career over to the Indies and Swerve, and I mean, I'll get to see him tonight at Terminus. He's still on the card, I believe tonight. I know they've had some changes to the card, but I, I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to be seeing him live tonight at Terminus. And by the way, we're going to talk about Terminus during the show. But if you're there live tonight, come and say hey, I'll be there at the event here in Atlanta. Um, but I, he's got all the talent in the world for uh, total package checks, all the boxes you want out of a star. I mean, he's great on the microphone. He's great in the ring. He has a, a, a really good um kind of like aura about him. Like he just comes across like a star, very charismatic. That's what I, that's kind of the word I'm looking for. Very charismatic guy. Um So yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he's probably in the TNT title mix pretty much immediately. And I could def, I definitely think he has the talent to be the world champion at some point in AEW. So uh, yeah, th- I think this was inevitable. Like this was one where when he got released or whatever, from the WWE, the first thing I said was like, he will, he will get signed to AEW. Like I, as long as AEW wants him and he wants to go there, that that will happen. So I'm very, I'm very happy it's happening. I, I think a lot of people, after he got released
1: and the rest of Hit, Hit Row got released, you know, were thinking that maybe Hit Row sticks together in some capacity. Swerve was always the D the, the star of that group. I mean, it was very evident in NXT In WWE. They tried to do something where they wanted it seemed like top dollar to, to be kind of the guy. Um, but Swerve was always the standout of that group and just had the most overall potential from the crossover standpoint, from an ability standpoint, whether that be in the ring or on the mic. And like when you listen to these guys do interviews, they're, they're obviously still friends. They're still doing stuff together. But you could tell with Swerve, he, he was going to take a different path than, okay, let me just keep doing hit row stuff on the indies. And stuff swerve was gonna and he said he said as much like he was gonna focus on himself and if hit row came together they came together and I, I know they're doing a reunion at like mcw um and then then hit Row's doing stuff at gcw for the culture hit row without swerve uh they're doing something at for the culture but swerve was always when you listen to him talk he was always gonna be like i'm gonna kind of do what's what's best for me in this case and i'm gonna if you know if AEW comes calling i'm gonna go there and, you know, I'm going to still be friends with these guys, do projects with them. But if they're not, you know, if they can't come with me, then we'll, we'll still it'll still be good. But I, I got to focus on myself. And so I'm glad he's going to get this opportunity. I really hope he does not get lost in the shuffle or anything like that, because they got a lot of guys. It's very easy to get lost in that shuffle. I hope they, they see the potential they have in Swerve and they utilize him the way he should be utilized
2: right yeah once again i completely agree with everything you're saying and and i think that you know and just keeping it real i mean there's a pretty big gap between like swerve and then like the rest of hit row in my opinion now like to the adonis actually like i got i watched him quite a bit when he was on 205 live because i covered that for the weekender and like he's talented um and b fab you know a lot of people were really behind her when she got the call up, you know to, i think it was smackdown from nxt and stuff and and i know that uh um I can't think of his name. The dude from the Hidden Treasures show, um, the big dude, AJ Francis. AJ Francis. Um, yes. I know he was pretty divisive uh, in in the fan base and stuff. But like, it, but it was one of those things where like we're 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 a little bit concerned about Swerve maybe getting lost in the mix. The rest of them would have gotten super lost in the mix in AEW unless they were they were pushed as like like a major faction together or something like that. But um, I think it's kind of working out best for everybody probably because if and row can really prove themselves on the indies in shows like for the culture and like catch on with gcw and some like the the high level indies then they can really raise their stock i think even more because unfortunately for them they just didn't there's not a whole lot of uh uh there's not, how do you put it there's not a lot of like data on them right like we've seen swerve yeah. on the indies for years and lucha underground and like he was clearly like the one who was ready this whole time we just don't. We didn't get to see a lot of B. Fab and AJ Francis and Ashanti the Adonis and stuff. So like, if they can go out there and really, once again, kind of prove themselves on the indie scene, then I could maybe see them becoming a part of AEW. I just think that they're they're probably just not a good fit there like at the moment. Yeah, 100%. Um, everyone, check out Grapstudy this
1: Saturday at, at 12. I don't know it, the, I, if I spoil Will's announcement right now. I'm sorry, but Swerve is going to be on the show on Saturday. Okay. He hinted at it enough. He, he teased it enough. I'm sorry if I'm just spoiling it right now uh, on on my uh, my own show with, w- without Will's permission. Um, but yeah, Swerve is supposed to be on the show on Saturday. If that falls through, he can blame me, if you would like, for, for jumping the gun on making this announcement. Uh, WWE Spotlight, Steven Jensen. Brock Lesnar is the WWE champion once again, winning the Elimination Chamber. He is going to, oh, apparently I did. I guess, is that Sean on the Overbooked or is, that, uh, or is that Joel on the Overbooked channel saying that I, I spoiled it? My bad. Tell Will he can yell at me. Everyone go, go, go uh, check out Will. Go on Day After Dynamite uh, at 4 o'clock on Fightful Overbooked. Oh, it's Joel. I'm sorry. Sorry, Will. I love you. Uh, He hinted enough around it. I broke the news. I want credit for breaking the news, at least. Okay? Yeah, that's
2: all on you, Jeremy. That's all (laughs) you You get get full credit for all of this.
1: (laughs) Steven is just disavowing any knowledge of this happening. He's not even associated (laughs) with this show anymore.
2: (laughs) Speaking of Terminus, I I sat right right next to Will and Phil uh, at uh, at Terminus last time I was here in town, speaking of Will. So, yeah, way to go, Jeremy. My bad
1: i've had will's gonna send me an angry dm here in a second like what the hell he probably wouldn't announce it on like uh dynamite uh to or day after dynamite at four and then i just might give him the scoops i uh, see bad company bill says he thinks he tweeted he hinted at it enough we're we'll getting to the bottom of this i wonder if i just i'm gonna send will this link and be like and see if we have any heat right now until then we uh we're gonna talk about wwe and we're gonna talk about brock lesnar being the wwe champion again and winning the elimination chamber to set up Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, winner take all at WrestleMania. Jensen, this was your spotlight. I'm sure you're excited for another Brock and Roman Reigns match.
2: Yeah. So um, <laughs> the the funny the funny thing about this is like like obviously this is a match we've seen you know before and stuff. Um, I do like the roles being reversed though here. I do like the whole babyface Brock thing and him like taking pictures with the kids and stuff like that's, it's just so different to see after, you know, 20 years of, of him being such a different dude out there. Um, I think it's going to be a really good match. I really do. I think the WrestleMania card actually does look really, really good on paper, whether or not, you know, we get a great show both nights. I don't know, but I mean, but it, the, the matches that are shaping up, I think, um, I do think that it does look like a good show. Um, but yeah, by spotlight like was Brock winning the title again. And it's kind of everything that surrounds that, right? Like the whole the whole Lashley thing. Like I know that Lashley was injured going into the match. Like I didn't know it while I was watching the match. I found out afterwards. And then I was like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. But in hindsight, I probably, once I don't like the idea of this, but in hindsight, I probably would have had him just get, like, laid out backstage and just, like, not able to compete or something because he barely got touched in that chamber. And, like, that's the reason he's going to be kayfabe off TV was, like, that, like, barely taking a bump in the pod. You know what I mean? It was just kind of weird how they did that, in my opinion. Um, So the, the title's off Lashley. So right away, everyone's already going to be going crazy because it's like, what? Well, they screwed Lashley again, right? Like, he had the title for hardly any time but there's good reason this time obviously he's injured i will say though injured or not i guarantee you rock was gonna win that match anyways like i think so too so i think lashley fans probably actually dodged a bullet here to a degree because they can at least promote lashley getting a shot at the world title when he comes back because he never lost the title versus him getting f5 and pinned in the chamber which is probably what would have happened if he if he was in the match um but yeah so so Brock's the champion Roman's the champion this was all very 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 predictable that like it was going to be this match and title versus title and all that stuff but Brock Lesnar is the biggest star that they have access to right now I mean by far in my opinion uh Ronda Rousey's up there too still and Roman's their biggest current star so this you know and I hope there's a trickle down here where they unify a lot more of these titles and get rid of the brand split. That's a whole other conversation we don't have to get into. But I hope that I, they, they kind of alluded to that on Raw this past Monday. I watched the whole show just just in case Cody was going to show up. So I watched the whole thing. And at one point, I noticed that Rollins and Owens were kind of like talking about unifying the tag team titles, too. So I think this might be something that they that they start really doing. And I hope that they do for a lot of reasons uh, personally. But um, but yeah, that's my spotlight. Brock's the champion again. It's title versus title. And I I predict that Roman will beat Brock and become like the undisputed champion at WrestleMania. But like, what do you feel? How do you feel about Brock winning the title again? And like, do you think that Roman beats Brock? or Do you think Brock beats Roman when we get to WrestleMania?
1: I mean, we both said it last week is that Brock was probably going to win that elimination chamber. And and he did, and like you said, even if Lashley was 100% and and ready to compete in that match, still thought Brock was going to win that thing. And now it's title versus title. I wish they would go back to just having one title and just having that person float across brands. They they don't have a draft anyway. They don't have a brand split anyway. They just kind of do what they want with that stuff. Just have one major title. Have it be the the focus of of most of the shows, and, and figure it out from there. I don't think they could do it well is one of the issues, and that's why they they probably haven't done it. Um, but I do think that's what they should do moving forward. I do think Roman should win the title, even if it's Brock, because uh, I've been loving this this babyface Brock run. But I do think whoever wins the title, it should just be one champion, and you go from there. I don't want it to be like a Becky Lynch situation where she wins both titles. And then a month later, she just ends up losing one of them because they got to split the titles again. Because whoever wins between Brock and Roman, like when they lose, it should actually mean something. And it shouldn't just be, oh, well, I got B for one title, but I still got this other title. And if they do that, they'll probably just, they'll do a triple threat match or they'll do a, a some type of match to where Roman and Brock doesn't have to get penned because whenever, especially if it's Roman, whenever he loses, uh, whenever he loses, that should mean something especially if it's going to be a singles match. It should not be like, ah, "I lost that one title. I've still held this title for a 1000 days assuming you lose the WWE title in whatever match." It's like kind it of like when like
2: kind of like when Kenny lost the the Impact title to Christian. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It took a little I, bit I believe, away,
2: I think, from the Right. V- and
1: thing. I didn't really I wasn't like a big fan of that. They did it like decently enough, but Kenny was not the, the champion that, that Roman Reigns was. And I mean that in that he did not have the title for as long. He did not run through everybody on the roster like Roman Reigns has. Um, so it, it, a little bit different circumstances. And it was a title from another company. Like this is the title for this company. So you you don't have to do this. That's the thing. You don't have sure. to do this. You don't have to do this unification match. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jeremy. It, that's how it did work is like the champions appeared on both shows. And, like, that's how – I liked it like that. I thought that was good. And they did away with that because they won in multiple titles. They can barely book all these titles. That's the other thing. An intercontinental title barely gets booked. The U.S. champion. Apologies as I sneeze. Uh, the U.S. champion.
2: Uh, Jamie's getting over his sickness, by the way. Yes, he was I, really I've, sick. I've had well,
1: we, flu. This is the flu game for me. Yeah. Um, the US champions priest, but he lost the AJ and then he beat AJ. Uh I don't like the the two champion thing. Just have just have one title that that floats between both brands. I think that's especially when it comes to the world title and the tag team titles. I, I think that's the way it should it should be done. Not COVID. I tested negative for COVID. All right. It, it I tested positive for the flu. Apparently flu shots work about as well as COVID shots nowadays.
2: Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, when we recorded our uh, our interview, uh, was that yesterday? We did that. We recorded, yeah. Uh, the yeah. Interview. You were pretty. You were pretty sick yesterday. Um, yeah. You were a lot better today, but you're definitely still dealing with something. So, um, everyone wish Jeremy well wishes here in the chat to for speed. Yeah, send recovery. me money.
1: That's how I get over things.
2: <laughs> there right. you go. Um, but uh, but no, I'm with you. Like, I I think, I think the WWE. Really, I I totally get it. I totally get the whole concept of, like, the brand split. The whole reason is to try to make new stars because you're giving more people opportunities by splitting the brands and all this stuff. But, like, it just hasn't been working for, like, two decades. Like, the better part of two decades on and off. And I think WWE really should just put all their best people on the shows. Like, there really should be no reason if you're a WWE fan that you turn on Raw and Roman Reigns isn't there. You know, like, I, I just feel like they... They they're in a spot where they need to create stars, but I think that they're they're not doing it the way that the way that they've wanted to for years and years and years at this point. They've only created Roman. I mean, that's really it. Um in the last since like the, like 2010, 2011, Like it's really only been Roman after CM Punk left. And uh and Dan O'Brien, uh, to be fair for a short time. But they they I mean, they should be in this position where like even if you want to position Roman as like the top star, it really should be where like Rollins and Owens and Balor and some of these other guys are like right there with him. Like back in the day when we had Steve Austin and the rock were the number one and number two, and it was clear, but you had triple H and mankind and undertaker and Kane and HBK before he had to retire. And, and just, it was just so loaded. And even, and even then, like when you had like the, 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 opening matches in the, the mid card stuff. It'd be like D'Lo Brown versus like Sky Chuhati or something, but like people were invested. Like it was characters people cared about. Like every match on the show felt like it actually mattered. And I think the best way to do that is consolidating the brands and put, and they've cut so many wrestlers. It's not like they have this like gigantic roster of people where they just don't know what to do and where to put anybody. Like they can take their main stars, feature them on both shows use NXT, how it should be used to like actually develop talent. And then you have level up for like the people who need to be developed before they show up to developmental. So like, I, you know, and I I understand the other thing people go, well, WWE writers, they can't, they can't figure out how to write for two hours a week for Roman. How are they going to be able to do it for five hours a week? And it's like, that's on them. It's their job to write about professional, to write professional wrestling shows like in the attitude era, it was, it was possible. So like, why, why is it not possible now? Um he, and I and get i get a lot I, of gonna get a lot of Roman
1: Reigns just doing this, just holding up the yeah. one. A lot, a lot of Paul <laughs> Heyman just acknowledging
2: a lot of those segments. Get ready, everybody. But that's the thing is like that he's really the draw for the company as far as people there that are there on a full time basis. I think there's a lot of people that just straight up don't watch Raw because Roman's not on the show.
1: Will Will has joined us. He probably has no idea why he's here. He doesn't. He, he just shook his head.
3: <laughs> Will, how are you? Up, Will? I'm good. What's going on? Uh,
1: I I have I have scooped you uh, about your own show, and I, I I spoiled who who you have on the show on Saturday, and I'm sorry. Oh,
3: yeah. You did. <laughs> it was all Jeremy, by the way. Completely, 100% yeah, Steven, Jeremy.
1: Steven has no, he wants nothing to do with this. I did not have anything
2: to do with this.
3: Well, I'll give, I suppose I'll just give everybody the official word <laughs> that this weekend on City long overdue, uh, we will be joined by current free agent, although if you subscribe to FightfulSelect.com, there's information about that, but Free agent Shane Swerve, the realist Strickland, is joining us on Grapsity this weekend. Uh, we're going to be talking about lots. I actually had planned a whole tweet about this where I was going to say, send us your questions <laughs> and all of that. Uh, so, Nobody
1: watches this show. It's fine.
3: <laughs> so there will be a tweet drops in like a couple of hours where I'm going to ask people to, to give us their questions for what they want. And look, Don't ask about the obvious. It's one of those things where you know what can and can't be said. So, like, (laughs) at least I assume so. But otherwise, yeah, Uh, this Saturday on City, we're going to be joined by my cousin Swerve. And uh, I'm excited to talk with him about pretty much all things going on in pro wrestling. I'm going to try to avoid asking about the, the, the usual stuff. I feel like he's answered stuff about Hit Row plenty over the last... Forty-eight done, hours.
1: Yes, he's done a lot of a lot of media. I, I was saying that I've listened to a lot of Swerve interviews over the past week, and yeah. I've hear I've heard a lot of the same answers. He gives a lot of new answers too, but I've heard a lot of the same stuff. So uh, I, I I suspect you will get better and more in depth and different questions asked.
3: Yeah, we're, I'm going to try and go a little bit different with it and have a little bit of a different conversation. But yeah, it's the Saturday noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. youtubecom slash Fightful.
1: There you go, right here on this channel. Do we have heat, Will? Dude, are we- No, we don't
3: have heat. Okay. <laughs> Although the next okay. time I get a scoop on you, just remember, if I just drop it. You randomly, that, I don't
1: care. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, will. I, will. I will give you the scoop to uh, whenever I, I get engaged, I'll give you that scoop, okay? I'll yeah. feed that to you first. You can break the news of my engagement before I- Oh, that's
3: you. exciting. I would drop that <laughs> in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, you you've met the EP and everything, so you guys bonded over kids and whatnot. So yeah,
3: she's great. Yeah. No, we were. Uh, I, I was actually just uh, talking with someone over the fact that you guys were like perfect for each other. So, um, Aww, I may Aww. give kind word.
1: <laughs> uh, everyone, check out Will on day after Dynamite in a couple. No, oh, not a couple hours. At four o'clock on Fightful. Yeah,
3: in an hour, and ten minutes, I should probably finish my lunch. So, thanks. you guys thanks, have so. a good one. And yeah, I'll be reviewing Dynamite in an hour. By the lower
1: book. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Thanks, Will. There you go. No heat. No heat with uh, Will and I after I out-scooped him on that.
2: <laughs> uh, where were we, Jensen? What a... Um, but I was basically just wrapping up, talking about the brand split and, and whether or not I feel I mean, how I feel that they should they should do that and, and all that. But, you know, that's just my personal opinion. I, I get the I get the pros and the cons of splitting the brands and keeping them split and all that stuff. But me personally, as a fan, as somebody who's trying to get back into the WWE product, um, I know I would personally enjoy turning on Raw and like all the best wrestlers are on Raw and then having a reason to watch SmackDown because all the best wrestlers are on SmackDown. So this is my personal opinion. The brand split is a ginormous topic
1: that I could dive into for hours, but I'm not going to do it here on this show. I'm going to move on to my spotlight, which is Edge's open challenge at WrestleMania. There were... Hints that it could be Cody Rhodes. He uh, mentioned phenomenal. So people are obviously thinking AJ Styles. I think Seth Rollins, or not Seth Rollins. They've already done Edge and Seth Rollins a million times. I think Cody Rhodes and AJ Styles were the big ones. I'm trying to think who else he kind of like hinted at. I think people have like kind of floated Austin Theory just because – uh they, they think they should push Austin Theory. I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not. But those are those are the kind of kind of the big ones here. And this plays off of what Throwback has to say. With AJ resigned, you think you eventually get a title run, the Universal Title at some point. Master Champa. Champlu another name that maybe they want to push him, and they're bringing him up to the main roster for Edge's Open Challenge. Someone else in NXT after Mania, what do you think is next? So I'll ask you, Jensen. Do you think a- or AJ Styles is Edge's opponent at WrestleMania?
2: I do. I think that's exactly what they're doing. And I hope it is to be honest, because it's a match we've never seen and two legitimate legends in the world of wrestling. Um, my personal opinion, I said this other day on, a, on another show, I think it was the one I did with Jesse, that if you were to ask me who was the best professional wrestler in the last two decades, I'd probably say AJ Styles. And, and like, that's why I'm also so happy. He's getting, you know, paid now with the WWE and like, you know, I'm, I'm very happy for the guy at this point in his career, and there's not a whole lot of dream matches left for Edge or AJ Styles, but them against each other is something we've never seen before. And I, I, I love the idea of it. <clears throat> and Edge, is, Edge has done really well in these big spots in WWE since he's returned. AJ's always been great. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're going to put on a really good match, and, I, and that is what I'm expecting it to be. So what about you? You think it's AJ? Um, It, it is me, Steven Jensen.
1: I am facing Edge at WrestleMania it is an open challenge right I'm accepting Edge's challenge I've asked the production people to hit my music but let me say this about Edge I'm I'm sick I've been sick for the past couple of days I've been sick since about Monday at 10 p.m Eastern when Edge came out and was spouting his bullshit about trying to be the new Mr WrestleMania how he creates moments at WrestleMania The only WrestleMania moment Edge created was 15 years ago when he speared Mick Foley through the fire, and then Mick Foley claimed that as his moment. Edge hasn't done anything memorable at WrestleMania outside of that, outside of 15 years ago. What has he done in the last 15 years? He's been a little bitch last year. I called him out personally, publicly, on our show for being a little bitch during WrestleMania last year, crying about, oh, Brian Danielson is in my spot. Daniel Bryan is taking my spot. I won the Rumble, and now he's in this. He was just crying the entire time on television. He's had this the greatest wrestling match ever with, with Randy Orton, which was horrible. He had the, the horrible, god-awful, Terrible, maybe the worst match of all time against Randy Orton at WrestleMania uh, uh, Performance Center. Just a awful, awful return match. No one was even the in the building for that match. They didn't care at all about it. (laughs) He, I am sick of Edge. I am, I am sick of Edge. All right, I'm sick of him thinking that he is the new Shawn Michaels and the new Mr. WrestleMania when he hasn't done anything. He didn't have any great matches. He didn't have a single great match. Maybe he's created a moment, again, 15 years ago, doesn't have a great match to his name at WrestleMania. All right? Christian's always been better. Since the start of Edge and Christian, since the start of The Brood, Christian has been better. He's doing better now. He's had better matches now than Edge. Christian's had better matches over the past year than Edge has. When was the last time Edge had a match on the level of the Kenny Omega match with Christian? It hasn't happened. Since his comeback, he hasn't done it.
2: Yeah, I'm going to face like-
1: Edge. <laughs> I'm going to face Edge at WrestleMania. I'm going to kick him in the fucking head, and I'm going to end his career for good. All right? Edge, I'm calling you out. You want somebody for WrestleMania? I'm here. I'm sick. You made me sick. I'm going to cure myself by ending you.
2: I love this. Somebody clip this and make sure to tag Edge and make sure that we make <laughs> this match happen. Jeremy Lambert versus Edge. At WrestleMania. they were a little a little harsh on Edge, man. Like, I mean, you're forgetting I actually, about <laughs> you know, I, I can I can tell I can tell that this is uh this is somewhat of a bit. I do think Christian I, I is do, better, do. but
1: for the right, I do think Christian is better. I don't Zero. have any like personal issue with Edge, uh, but
2: yeah, I, I, look, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get booked for WrestleMania, okay? Yeah, that's so. fair. That's very fair. I mean, you got to make some noise and, and get, get out. He sits jump. in
1: the ring. He sit, he get, he's he got to grab his chair. He's got to grab the chair. Here, I'll, I'll do an inch. Hold <laughs> on. Oh, hell
2: yeah, let's see this.
1: Grab my chair. Hey, everybody, chair. One spotlight. We'll turn off this light over here. There. <laughs> So there's only one spotlight on me, just like Edge, and he sits here brooding. This is
2: perfect.
1: They told me that I would never come back, that I would not return. Now I need somebody to step up at WrestleMania to create my moment. You want to make a name for yourself? You can do it against me at WrestleMania. Come to my stage. Come where I make people famous. Come against me. At WrestleMania. I'm sick of all that. I'm sick of that bullshit. All right, Edge? I'm going to come there, and I'm going to make you famous. And I'm going to end your career. That's what's going to happen. Sit in your chair with your little Shakespeare promos. Get out of here with that. I'm not here to talk, Edge. I'm not here to talk. I'm here to kick your fucking head in like my hero, Brian Danielson. All right? Calling him a – getting mad at him last year for taking your spot. I'm going to avenge him. I'm going to avenge Brian Danielson. Me and you, Edge. WrestleMania. I'll see you in Dallas.
2: I can't top this. I yeah, this is this needs to happen. What what if it's Veer?
1: That'd be great if it was Veer. That'd be hilarious,
2: right? <laughs> it's like he finally comes and then uh and then uh just gets beat by Edge and then like you never No, see him
1: he again.
2: should beat edge he's just well, i mean that yeah that could happen i mean of course I, i'm i'm assuming from now on anytime i bring up edge you're going to be cheering against him i mean you seem to have a very <laughs> a very uh deep-seated issue with uh with adam copeland over there but um but let's oh, not discredit like the tlc match and you know i thought him and him and foley was awesome if i'm being honest like i love that match it was really good. um um, a lot of people seem to really like him and Seth Rollins uh, recently. I got to give him some credit for some of the stuff he's done. But that hey, whole thing. Frank,
1: my guy Frank says Edge has never had a great match that involved a chair, cage, or five other people, maybe the most overrated person in wrestling history. I'm not going that most overrated person in wrestling history. I do think that, again, I think Christian is better and that Edge's resume is a little gimmick heavy.
2: And that's fair. But that's actually a really fair um uh statement there by frank in the super chat like that makes me really kind of think um but uh but yeah in there there was another point about oh yeah the the it really bothered me how they they marketed that match with orton as the greatest match of all time before <laughs> it ever even happened like that was so lame so, dude, you're making me turn on edge over here. All right. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else to really add to this. Like, this was Jeremy's spotlight. Um, we thought the spotlight was Edge's open challenge for WrestleMania, which technically that is the spotlight. I was not kept in the loop that this topic was actually about Jeremy trying to get the match against Edge. But
1: I'm not, here we you are. know, I can't, I can't just tell
2: you what the booking plans are. I gotta, gotta keep you on your toes a oh, little bit. Course i double masked you last week i mean we got to keep each other on on our on our toes here
1: that's right that's right
2: uh i i do think it'll probably be aj but i'm angling for it all right it's an open challenge
1: i've tossed my name out there i just got to get to to dallas and i just got to have someone hit my music first that's all
2: what's your music Swift. Uh, probably
1: a taylor swift song shake yeah. it off is gonna hit and the yeah. crowd's gonna be very confused yeah. They they can't afford the rights to shake it off but that's gonna hit i'm just gonna come out there just uh dance my way down the ring. how how old is nicholas nowadays oh man he's gotta be that was like five years ago yeah be like he's yeah. probably he's
2: probably itching for another wrestlemania moment
1: yeah yeah <laughs> let's
3: uh, <laughs>
1: Let's head to the other of the spotlight, and we're going to start with yours. And the NWA Crockett Cup is back for March. It is a two-night event. They announced the brackets. Jensen, you want to do some Crockett Cup bracketology
2: here? Yes, my spotlight this week is bracketology for the Crockett Cup. Now, it's kind of difficult to do like a full – I mean, we'll do our best here because some of the spots still haven't been filled for the brackets. But really quickly, I did want to mention – I have seen other, over the last couple of days, including today, they are including in the play-ins, Violence is Forever, Dominic Green and Kevin Koo, in my opinion, one of the best tag teams in the world, especially if you're looking, you know, just independent scene. And then two of my favorite wrestlers on earth love these guys so much. They were just announced today, Joshua Bishop and Maserati West the rip city shooters. Um I talk about Joshua Bishop every single week on the weekender because I, he's going to be such a massive breakout star. Once he, this is the first time he's going to be doing anything, even to this level. He's mainly an aid AIW guy and he, he floats the Indies, but like he's never been an NWA. He's never been an impact. He's never been a WWE, never been an NXT or, or AW or anything. So like, I think this is going to be the beginning of a huge breakthrough for Bishop and uh, Maserati West, I, I I like him as a tag team partner for for Josh and also as a manager for Josh. So like I hope this does big things for for those two guys and balances forever. So it bounces forever. Both those guys were on AEW Dark this past week. So um, I wanted to give both those teams shout outs real quick because they are in the play ins to get into the tournament. And I just I just love that NWA listened to the fans on this because they were asking for for teams that that fans wanted to see get a shot in this tournament. And those two teams were popping up a lot and they listened and they're going to be in the tournament, which I, I think that's awesome. Um, what are your thoughts on this tournament? And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll just give some picks and say who we think might win this whole thing.
1: I was really excited that to see violence is forever as part of the group. I would think Greeny and, and Koo are tremendous, tremendous tag team. So I think they will get, I think they will uh, get, uh, I think they'll be in on the, on the play in. I think they'll get through. Uh, I don't think they're going to go far after that, considering they'd be facing the the champions, La Rebellion. I'm looking at it, and OGK are, are my pick here. I, I'm going Bennett and Taven to win this whole thing. Um, the Briscoes obviously have a good shot, and then the the champions. I don't think the champions are going to end up winning it. I, I like OGK, and I like Dirty Sexy Boys as a a sleeper because they're the they're the tenth seed according to the seeding. So, but I like JTG a dirty dango as like a sleeper.
2: I'm gonna say because so someone they're doing a TBD for uh La Rebellion and for the Briscoe brothers, yeah. Um, it's not SBR, everybody, yeah. They won't, they that will not be where this <laughs> match happens. Um, I hope that Ring of Honor gets that. we talked about that before, but I'm hoping that they get imagine, that. Imagine, for- imagine Corgan. Just ponies up all that
1: Smashing Pumpkins money and gets Briscoe's FTR in front of two hundred people
2: for the Crockett Cup uh, as a first round match, dude. dude and that—that's just—I brought this up on the weekend or this past week too. NWA just did this other tournament where the winning team—it was teams of three—and the winning team won thirty thousand dollars. Like that was the big prize for like the end of this tournament. And I was like. Yeah, if someone gave me thirty thousand dollars to split between three people, like if I get ten thousand dollars for anything, like I'm stoked about that. But like, they could have made up any number, right? I mean, like thirty thousand sounds a little bit weak, especially when you're run by like as you just said, Billy Corgan, Smashing so Pumpkins,
1: like at least they're trying to be realistic with thirty thousand. I know. They gone, <clears throat> if they would have gone like three hundred thousand, I'm like, listen, yeah, y'all only got that money. <laughs>
2: But but I mean I feel like they could have like I mean fifty thousand, hundred thousand. $100,000. I mean thirty just sounded a little cheap to me. I'm just I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just I'm just throwing it out there because because once again these this is a fake number. They could they could say it was for a million dollars, but I'm, but no one would believe that. But um three thirty once again thirty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to someone like me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not scoffing at, at at that extra money, but like they could have made up any number. Anyways, um I'm gonna say you know. Hmm. I want to see VIF like really make a run in this thing, but I don't think they'll get past uh lot rebellion. Um, and I don't know if it does the play is the plan for the Briscoes also. Is that how that works? Is it just, It's to be remember.
1: announced. I, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a play in as well. If maybe like the winner gets the lower seed and the loser gets the higher seed. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how that works either. Um, but that said, I don't see either the Rip City Shooters or or VIF getting past a team like Law Rebellion or the Briscoes. As much as I'd like to see something like that, um, I think Law Rebellion will probably at least make it to the finals. So I'm going to assume we'll have Law Rebellion versus you know what? I think them versus the Briscoes would be pretty awesome in the finals, um, and then maybe. It also, I think, depends on how much access they have to the Briscoes going forward. Like, are they going to do more with the NWA? Because if they are, I'd put the tag team titles on them. Um,
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but Extra cash. I'm downloading the upside app now. Download the free upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra twenty-five cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime, right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free upside app and use promo code CAR for a twenty-five
2: cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Personally, so um so I'm gonna say the Briscoe brothers won this whole thing. I'm just gonna go with them.
1: Uh, I mean, the Briscoes are always a good pick. And you're right about the the access to them. And that's one thing I'm probably uh, overlooking is with Ring of Honor coming back, I don't know where the, the Briscoes are going. I imagine there's still going to be some type of working relationship with NWA, Ring of Honor. And that's why I am kind of looking at OGK as possibly, because I think they might stick around NWA a little bit. I can see the Briscoes sticking around a little bit. And that's why I also like uh, Dirty Sexy Boys as, as a sleeper, because they're both NWA guys, JTG and dango i definitely think they win their first round matchup they'd probably get the briscoes uh I, i'm assuming the briscoes are winning their first round matchup uh they'd get them in the second round and that's a tough out in the second round but don't don't sleep on them as the 10 seed do not sleep on them as the 10 seed in this thing uh who do you think is gonna p- potentially be doug williams partner because it seemed like it was gonna be him in all this but then all this is getting the the title shot against cardona so now williams is just without a partner that's a really good
2: question um, because I I had forgotten that they are making that switch because it was going to be all this. Is there anyone else from like the British invasion back in the day that would like make, like, I don't, I'm not talking like Rob Terry. Like that would be rough. Um, because he's the first one that comes to mind for me would be like Rob, big Rob Terry. Um, but hell it's NWA. I'm going to guess it's just Rob Terry. I don't know what he's doing right I, now. But legitimately <laughs> it might be Rob Terry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, I a uh
2: yeah Joel Pearl says Colby Carino I mean I like hey. the idea that Colby's wrestling uh he's at another level recently he's uh I was talking to, to Joseph about him the other day Colby's really kind of become like that he wrestles very similarly to how Roderick Strong does um and I want to see them wrestle each other sometime uh in the, in the future hopefully May, uh, money marks at the rose brothers yeah i'm not gonna get my hopes up for that but like if they're in this thing they're winning the whole thing for sure yeah.
1: but yes 100 they, they should they should win if they're in it i don't think there's any chance they're going to be in it
2: you have any other prediction I, outside of like rob terry which i just kind of pulled out of my butt here
1: <laughs> i think i think it
2: could be and the, i'm not thrilled with this one
1: the austin aries
2: Oh uh, yeah, good. He does a lot of the NWA USA stuff, and yeah, I yeah. can see that maybe. Yeah, yeah. he's but he's got to control his narrative now. I don't know how that's going to be working with his availability. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what control your narrative really is going to no.
1: look like or be. So, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> I don't think they do. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure they do either. Uh yeah, but I, I do think um, Colby Carino is a is a good is a good shout. Um. I, I'm I'm the bars at Austin Aries for me, so it's a short bar or a low bar. That was an easy joke, right? MJF of promos here. Um, My other spotlight was Jay White turning on Girls of Destiny at Impact No Surrender. This shocked the hell out of me because you know Girls of Destiny, specifically Tamatanga, was the one who recruited Jay White into Bullet Club. So for him to turn on them and then now align with Good Brothers and by aligning with good brothers, you're kind of aligning with the bucks. I was, I was stunned by this one when it comes with Jay white.
2: Yeah. I, I, uh, I was not expecting it either. And I think that made for an even bigger moment. Um, and it's so strange seeing Tommy Tonga get kicked out of the bullet club. Like he is an OG founding member. Like it was him, Fale, Balor and uh machine gun. Like that was the original, uh, the original bullet club. You okay, Jeremy? Okay. okay just want to make sure um but uh but yeah i uh i didn't see it coming i think that maybe they're they're setting up for some sort of like team japan bullet club versus like kind of the like i want to say u.s but like jay white you know isn't technically american but like you know what i mean like kind of like a non-japanese bullet club versus the japanese bullet club type of story um but yeah, I really didn't see it coming at all. And so for that, I'll give them credit. But it's also like, how how funny is it that this happened in Impact? Like, this is like one of the yeah. biggest things New Japan has going for them. And it happened in Impact. I mean,
1: Bullet Club hasn't been the same in New Japan, really not Jay White has been stateside. Because he's kind of been the de facto leader. And then if he's not there, it's kind of Tama and Tango. But they haven't really been there either so it's a lot of like house of torture that's been going on in New Japan and that's evil's group with like show and Dick Togo and Yujiro and all those guys and like anything but led by evil ain't good at all and I think that's kind of where they're at now is they have you know the New Japan or they have the the Bullet Club with like Jay White and now I guess good good brothers are now part of that I don't know where that leaves Tama and Tango like are they now going to be part of the house of torture side of things i don't feel like they like totally fit in with that like it did seem like Tamba and tango were always just going to kind of be bullet club and now i don't know where they're left at. and if if they're out or if depending on where they're at like who's the leader of bullet club is it like is it evil because that sucks
2: yeah i'm not a fan of that um i don't think anybody is a i hate to be that harsh on someone but i don't know i don't think anybody is a fan of evil. Like, I don't, I haven't seen like one person be like, it's awesome. He's getting this push. Oh, it's great. They put the title on him. Oh great. He gets to lead this, this faction. Like nobody's excited about this ever. Um, But yeah, it's, it is. It's just very weird with GOD not being a part of it. That's why I kind of feel like it's going to be some sort of like civil war between the two groups. Um But yeah, I, I, I consider Jay White to be the leader currently. So and, he, and that makes it really interesting because he's popping up so many different places, too. And it also makes me think that there's an outside chance maybe Tony Khan has his hands in this cookie jar a little bit more now. Like he might finally be getting the rights to the Bullet Club name, which is like possible. Because um, if it is, this would make a lot more sense because then they could carry this over in AEW. And now it's like you have access to Jay White, Bullet Club the name Bullet Club, the 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 t shirts and all that stuff again. You've got Kenny there and Adam Cole there and the Bucks and uh you can bring it over to the Good Brothers and all that stuff. And so like I, I think that, you know and then Tony Khan keeps teasing this massive announcement. I don't know if I don't know if that's it or if that's like as big of an announcement as people would expect it to be if that was it. But like I've just kind of been thinking about that a little more lately about, you know, just the the whole Bullet Club um the whole just kind of everything about the Bullet Club, just the buzz for it has just really, really diminished over the last few years. But it's possible that they could have a big resurgence with the right, you know, the right stories, the right TV. So like if this was on AEW and they had like, you know, a lot of these Bullet Club members and they they went back to wearing the t shirts and trying to sell the merch and all that stuff, they might be able to kind of like bring it back. But uh but yeah it just, it just but like i said the strangest thing about all this was one Tomatonga getting kicked out of the group in particular and then two that it happened not even on a new japan show
1: now that's interesting that you mentioned maybe tony khan has gotten the bullet club trademark because like i was say with new japan they've kind of moved away from bullet club stuff it, it, it is a lot of house of Torture now that that's sort of their their big brand with the the guys in that group and it's not so much as like bullet club i I think el phantasmo and and ishimori kind of use bullet club a little bit but it's mainly like the house of torture stuff that they're doing and bullet club has always been at least this current version has always been you know tama tanga uh bad luck volley and and jay white that's kind of been the the de facto bullet club and that's taking a hit with three three of those guys in America and the other one just not really doing anything. So maybe you're onto something with Tony Khan getting this Bullet Club trademark because he is teaming or teasing something that's like a big otherworldly announcement. And I don't know what that could be. A lot of people are speculating that it's like the, the ROH. Maybe he's got ROH, uh, the ROH tape library or something to do with it. But if he gets the Bullet Club trademark, that's pretty big considering Bullet Club, the, you know those four guys were... A big reason why we have AEW as well. Like Cody, Kenny, Bucks were Bullet Club at that time. And that's a big reason why we have AEW. Tamba and Tanger going back to New Japan. They're going to compete in the New Japan Cup. So I don't know when they're going to follow up this angle because they're, I assume they're back there now. They've already traveled back considering the, the New Japan Cup starts this upcoming week and you're going to have to quarantine and everything when it comes to Japan. So they're going back to Japan. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get a real follow-up to this, at least on American television, anytime soon. And maybe it is a thing of, like, they just leave it uh, where it's at now, and then they they go to Japan, they continue House of Torture, and we do get Bullet Club and AEW uh, thanks to Tony Khan.
2: Yeah, I think it's totally possible, especially with everyone knowing that Tomatonga recently re-signed. I know you just said that, like, he's heading back to Japan, but not just that, he's, like, he's back there for years again. So, like, it's Um, and, uh, someone in the chat just said that they already taped a follow-up. I'm sure we'll get some sort of follow-up on impact, but like, who knows how long that goes for, especially if they need to go back to Japan soon. So like, um, yeah, I just, I mean, maybe, maybe a little food for thought, maybe something to keep in mind that like, maybe some of this might be bleeding over into, to AEW because a big reason why I have this kind of thought process is, that Jay White's been popping up on AEW, so like, there's clearly interest from Tony Khan to be using Jay White, and they're really positioning him him as like the whole key to kind of the Forbidden Door and the Bullet Club and all this stuff, and because he's everywhere, everywhere, he's popping up. So, um so yeah, pretty pretty interesting times for for the Bullet Club for sure. They they did take a follow up,
1: and I assume that'll air next week. Um... But then they have Impact Sacrifice also next week. That's on Saturday, and Jay White's already got his match against Alex Shelley. So they're doing a match on television. It involves other people. It's not like a I don't want I don't want to spoil too much, but it's not the blow off you might think that it would be a blow off for the angle that they shot. So I again I don't want I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not the follow up you. It's not the long-term follow-up you think they're going to do, and they're not going to be able to do a long-term follow-up right now because uh Tama and Tanga are going back to New Japan. So yes, there there is a follow-up, but it it's probably not what you would hope for given what this angle would would seem to be, considering Jay White's position in in Bullet Club and Tama and Tanga's position in Bullet Club and the way this angle played out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see where uh, where this all winds up winds up going i'll say this this is the most interesting the most interested i've been in the bullet club in general in like a couple years so
1: yeah uh indie spotlight we're gonna we're gonna start with yours and that is cole raderick doing a death match now i don't know too much about this this is this is your indie spotlight and i'm gonna have you set this up but i watch this match and explain to me kind of explain to me and our audience like kind of who Cole is and why this death match was was so important.
2: So yes, my indie spotlight was, you know, I'm a big Cole Radrick fan. He's a guy who's been really big, uh we're getting bigger and bigger on the indie scene, uh especially out of areas like Indiana. But I know him a lot from the southeast companies like Action Sup, SCI, all that kind of stuff. He's really been all over the place. Um and he's he's a guy who like I'd consider to be some people don't like hearing this, but like I mean this is a compliment. He's probably the most improved wrestler I've seen over the last like four years or so. Someone going from like okay to like really, really, really like figuring out like what works best for him. And he's just a great in-ring wrestler. Like bell to bell. He is I I think his uh his mechanics and everything, as a non-wrestler, just as a fan, you know, I I think that. He just, he's just a really, really good at like the art of professional wrestling, but he's also like very undersized. He's a smaller guy. He looks very unassuming. Like you see him and he just looks like just like this normal dude. You would never expect he's like this professional wrestler and all this stuff, but he's really proven himself in a lot of different scenarios over the last few years, doing stuff like paradigm pro, which is like the UWFI rules type stuff. The the mixed martial arts kind of hybrid workshop type stuff. Um, and then just grinding the indies, like, everywhere and he's become a pretty regular face in gcw as of late as well um and he's really earned it he's a guy who, who travels all over the country drives all over the place puts in the miles and just wins the respect of the fans he's the kind of guy that if you've never seen him before you might not get much of a reaction but by the end of his match you want to see him come back to your promotion and uh, that's one of the biggest compliments i can give someone on the indies so i'm a huge fan of cole but for him to go into this match, he'd never done a death match before, and he wrestled or Veit, who's very well known in the death match scene. And Cole went out there, and I just wanted to, to, to have him as my spotlight this week because, for one, I want people to go seek out his stuff because he's a great wrestler, and more people need to know about him. And I think he will be a pretty big name going forward in GCW and other places. But he, you know, it's almost like this. Uh, it sounds strange, and people people who know who know will understand what i'm saying but others it might sound strange it's almost like a baptism in ways for certain guys when like they go into the, like they have their first death match and then it's like things just change for them because it's like now you've 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 unlocked this whole other side of wrestling that you can be a part of now um another guy who's from kind of the same area hoodfoot Mo atlas he recently did this a few months ago and he's been doing death matches ever since. And now he's like main eventing big GCW shows doing death matches. Um, So it's one of those things where Cole went out there. I thought he did great in the match. He bled like crazy. His back was a mess, but he showed that he was a psycho. He took one of the broken light tubes and cut himself across the chest and the fans were going crazy for it. I'm not going to stand here and say like I'm the biggest fan of self mutilation and these kind of things, right? Like there there is a screw loose with a lot of this stuff. Like I'm gonna like there just is, but there is an audience for that, and he had that audience going. And not only that, he beat Orimbite, which is like a big win in your first death match. So Cole really just showed a lot of layers to himself in that, and he he's gonna really expand his fan base based off of it. And now people know, and he knows himself. It's like man if we need someone to jump in there for a big a big death match like a high profile death match we know cole can go in this scenario and now and now it's just going to open it up to now now not only is cole going to be good to go for work shoot hybrid style you know uh paradigm pro type stuff but he's also ready to go for death matches he's ready to go for technical matches like you can use him in so many different variety of ways that uh yeah, I wanted to shout that out. Good good for Cole Roderick. I thought I thought he had a pretty big breakout moment this past weekend doing that death match.
1: Again, I don't know too much about Cole Roderick outside of the like limited stuff I've seen him on on GCW when I when I catch when I catch full shows. If I don't catch a full show, I'll only kind of watch what I've been told to watch. Um, so I've seen him very limited capacity. I'm not a death match person. I like when Nick Gage does it because I've just I found a connection with Nick gauge. Um, anyone else, I, it's tough for me to watch that kind of stuff, but I'm not saying I fully enjoyed this match and I'm going to watch a bunch of death matches now, but I will say that the crowd was definitely into this match. The crowd was definitely into his side and I had a feeling and, and commentary mentioned a little bit. I had a feeling that like he wasn't, he clearly wasn't like a death match guy. And this was sort of a, Uh, like you said, like a right to passage for him and a breakout moment for him doing this and showing a different side of him and doing this match. So I was behind it from, from that sense as well of like, all right, I know this guy is sort of out of his element and he's out there to like prove himself in this environment now. So I was behind him from that. Again, Not my cup of tea, but bless these guys for doing this shit that they do. Yeah. When he took that light tube and named himself with it across the chest, there was the spot with the ladder where the chandelier was swinging, which was, uh, which is a little scary. I was hoping someone was going to just hang from the chandelier and do something off of that. Uh, but it, it, you know, those guys are crazy and I can't say, I can't say anything about it. Cause I certainly wouldn't be doing that shit. Um, but the, the crowd loves it, man. It does. They, the crowd, especially the GCW crowd, they love it. And bless him that's all i can say but good on cole radrick for for doing this and i will i will look for more of his stuff moving forward because if you know if he's willing to do this kind of stuff i owe it to him to just check out like some of his regular matches and whatnot, not where he's not having to, to mutilate himself because he was a wreck in this match and one thing i do just like i find a, a almost twisted humor in when it comes to death matches the way they just like casually break these light tubes across <laughs> each other Casually hits him with it like it's just nothing like you know you you see the little like uh, the the horny bonk you just bonk him on the head yeah. like for being like that's how he hits the light tube just like yep bonk just like that's how they break these light tubes on each other it's it's so casual and carefree with this and I'm just like are, what my God like you guys are insane bless them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, you got to be built a little different to, to yeah. put yourself through that, but kind of to your, uh to almost answer one of your questions here, just to, for that you just brought up literally the day right before also on a GCW show, because they ran uh Saturday and Sunday this past week Um, on the, the show that was on Saturday, Cole Roderick and Billy Starks had a great, just one-on-one match. So like, if you want like a full kind of, you know kind of a I, I'm, I'm blanking on a lot of words yeah spectrum thank you if you want to kind of a full full spectrum on him you can watch him have just like a great regular wrestling match against billy starks and then you can watch him have a death match against or invite and i thought he knocked it out of the park on both shows um the guy is super active he's wrestling every weekend he wrestles multiple times a weekend um as a, as a lot of these wrestlers do it isn't just him but uh, i wanted to spotlight him this week because once again he's just a guy that I feel like not enough people talk about, but who's going to, he just, he's poised to break out and he's already in the process of it. But, and then there's also the whole other side of this too, where like, I'm not going to sit here and say like Cole Radrick needed to do this death match to get over or to like have a spot, you know, in GCW or in independent wrestling or just wrestling in general. Um, Because I think he's ultra talented. I don't think he needed to do this, but I think it just adds to his arsenal of more things he can do. And there are wrestlers out there that I, I will say, like, I think they do need to do death matches to stay over. Um, And a lot of wrestlers absolutely hate hearing that. And I would never say that. To, I would never use that as an insult against somebody. But there's certain limitations certain wrestlers have where they just don't move around quite as well. They're not quite as athletic, whatever the reason is. And But they can be gods on the, on the death match scene. And I have nothing against them doing that. But, like, Cole Radrick, it just... It's just one of those things, like, had he never done this, I think he would have still um, become a big a big star in wrestling. But I think he's going to get there a lot faster because he is doing this now. And, and it's very comparable, once again, to Hoodfoot. Hoodfoot was in a similar position where he was he was grinding the indies. A lot of people knew about him, but he was still really, really under the radar. Then he started doing these death matches in GCW. And all of a sudden, and he was doing a couple on, on the indies as well. He had a re- some really good ones in, uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, recently on IWTV but now he's being known as like this go-to guy for death matches. So like, I think just his progression has just sped up a lot because he's doing this now also. So, so yeah, shout out to Cole Roger.
1: GCW has got a show uh, tomorrow night as well. That's the, the big uh, Sean Waltman return return match teaming with Joey Janela against uh, Cardona and, and Myers. And there's an interview with Sean Waltman right now on youtube.com fightful. So everybody can check that out. Sean Waltman and uh, Sean Ross Sapp. And uh, the final spotlight is mine with, when it comes to the Indies and it's terminus. Terminus two is tonight. Steven Jensen will be there if you're gonna if you're gonna be there, say hello to Steven Jensen. I'll share a vape pen with you. Um I don't know. I'm sorry if hey. I just
2: A very legal vape pen. A very legal in the
1: state of Georgia vape pen, yes. yes. Obviously. Uh, uh, Terminus 2 is the night. We're not going to run down the card or anything. I just want to kind of give an overall thoughts on on Terminus because when they announced this, I was very excited because it's Jonathan Gresham and I love anything that man does. But then when they, you know, announced the rules and how like, hey, this is a DQ. We're going to enforce all of this stuff. This is how you win. We're going to keep track of records and everything. I thought the concept was great because it is very sports based, sports focused. And, like, if you listen to any Jonathan Gresham interview, you can, you can listen to the one that uh, I did with him. You can listen to the one that, that Sean did with him. If you listen to Gresham talk about, like, just his philosophy when it comes to wrestling. You can see this is what he wants to do in his promotion. And how it is just like Clash of Styles, uh, but really enforcing the rules of wrestling so people have something they can get behind and identify with. Because if you're just doing DQs or everybody looks stupid, it's like, okay, why am I cheering for this person? So I, I love the first Terminus show, technical issues aside, which hopefully that, that is all cleaned up this time around. I thought the first show was great. I'm really looking forward to the show tonight. Uh, Santana against Gresham, I think that match is going to kick all kinds of ass swerve. As we mentioned, he's going to be on the show. Um, It's him and David
2: Richards. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like they, I think they have, I think it's going to be another great show. And I just love the concept overall of Terminus. And I don't know how long it's going to last. It seems like, like the first one wasn't that long ago. I didn't think they were going to hold monthly events. And now it seems like they're on path to hold monthly events. A lot will depend on Gresham and where, what happens with ROH and then what he decides to do after that. I hope Terminus is, is here to stay though, because I absolutely love the concept and I love that they are getting into the sport and the, the sort of the X's and O's of wrestling.
2: Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And, and kind of regardless of what happens with Gresham, I think as long as Baron Black is still involved, they'll still be able to be all right and do what they're doing. Um, But Gresham's obviously, I mean, you want him if you're Terminism, obviously, Um, as, as everywhere should want Jonathan Gresham. He's one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. Um, Serena Deeb's on the show. I am a huge Serena Deeb fan, so like I cannot wait to see her live. I'm actually the most excited to see her of anybody on the show. Um, I'm such a big fan. Um, you know, the, and you even talking about the rules and kind of the difference in um, presentation and everything about the way Terminus does their matches and everything is. Even the, I, I know I talked about this after the original term, Terminus event, which I was I was live at that as well. And during this, this is a good example of kind of the point Moose versus Mike Bennett. That match ended because Moose threw Mike Bennett over the top rope twice. And that was the only time you saw anyone go over the top rope the entire show. So when you saw Mike Bennett hit the ground, like kind of like head first hitting the ground, it was like brutal. It was like, damn, that would really, really hurt. Cause like we aren't seeing people doing dives over the ropes all show. We aren't seeing people do all this, like, superhuman stuff that like i can never explain how wrestlers i see mlj talk about this a lot me and him talked about it on a podcast once mlj of course from from game changer wrestling and just all over the indies he was like sometimes i just sit back and really think about how like these people are superhuman like like when you really think about it, they're out there like killing each other with like these weapons and these moves and they're just like get up and do it again the next night it's like it just doesn't make any sense when you really think about it, how people's bodies can hold up like this but going through what they're going through and I, I just think that terminus was just a really cool way of presenting wrestling like i said something as little as seeing someone get over the thro- thrown of the top rope which is such a thing you see so often but if you only see it once for an entire show it really stands out and it really looks brutal um I love that they're giving guys like Adam Priest a chance. He's the same kind of guy who's in a similar boat, boat to like a Cole Roderick where he's an undersized guy, but really, really technically sound. And he's done great in the Southeast. He's done great in particular in Alabama for uh, for New South. Um, but Adam Priest is another guy. Like he's going to be on the show against Invictus Cash. That's, that's a really good matchup against two guys who are just kind of flying a little under the radar, but can really break out with performances on, on high-profile shows like Terminus um trey lamar is another one that can really he's been on the verge of breaking out for a minute i think trey lamar is like he's right there um and these kind of shows can put him over the top so it's like and then even a guy like santana who we usually see as a tag team wrestler he's been doing more singles matches lately and in my opinion the more uh diversified you can get the better with your own skill set so like if you're mainly a tag team wrestler I think it only benefits you to also prove you can be on your own too. Cause that doesn't mean you have to break up him and Ortiz. It just means there's more opportunity for Santana to also do stuff in singles wrestling. Like it just, it just opens up opportunity. It doesn't mean you have to, like I think that a lot of people get kind of boxed in with the way certain companies present stuff. And they're like, if you're a tag team wrestler, you're a tag team wrestler. If you're a cruiserweight, you're a cruiserweight. If you're, if you're this, you're that. It's like, no, a lot of these guys and girls and non-binary everyone in between, like all these they're, they they're capable of doing all this stuff and santana got a massive pop at terminus last time because we had no idea he was there and it was like what what's santana doing here and he's by himself no ortiz and he's calling out gresham we're gonna get gresham versus santana one-on-one i had no idea i wanted that but i really want that you know what i mean so like yeah man and then he mentioned it too shane strickland he's gonna be wrestling Davey richards that's a dream match right there um so I mean, this, this card top to bottom is this is a stacked show. Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood are, are, are doing a tag team tonight. I mean, this is, and both those guys are, are, um, are Buffalo, New York guys that wrestling together for like forever and Blackwood's on the verge of, of he's right there on the cusp of breaking out too. So there's a lot of people on this show that are right there and more and more people watch Terminus, more and more people get eyes on these talents. You mix it in with the people, people already know, and it benefits everybody. So um I'm 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 pumped to be there tonight, man. I got to drive probably like 45 minutes to an hour to get to the show, but it'll be totally worth it.
1: I I very much look forward to watching it on on Fight TV Again, hopefully the technical issues have been calmed. I, I think Baron Black did, it, did an interview with uh, our guy Andrew Thompson of Post Wrestling, and he said that they, they're going to get all those sorted out. I hope that's the case because I love the the concept, I love the presentation of it, and I hope for as long as it it's going to run. I hope it succeeds because it is something different in wrestling, and it is it is it is back to the sport of wrestling, and is, is less sports entertainment style, and and get back to just here's these great matches, but within these great matches, you're gonna you're gonna be able to follow a story, and within the overall arc of the promotion, you're gonna be able to follow a story. Uh, so, bet, best of luck to to Baron Black, Jonathan Gresham as they run Terminus Two tonight. Jensen, I hope you have a great time at the show tonight as well.
2: Thanks man. Uh, yeah. And like Jeremy said, and like I said earlier, if you are going to the show tonight, please come say hi. Cause I'll be there by myself. Um, I'll just be hanging out. Just like taking pictures of the venue and maybe, you know, saying what's up to some wrestlers, maybe getting a couple quotes here and there that I can tell y'all about here on this show. Just maybe some things that they tell me about, you know, whatever they want to talk about. I'm not, I'm not going there and doing like full interviews. I don't have like a camera team or anything, but I will, um, I will at the very least talk to a few wrestlers and hopefully get you guys a little bit of cool information that I can talk about here that I can talk about on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. And uh, and, like I'll, and like I said, at the very least, I'll get some pictures of the show tonight of the wrestlers and some of the matches. So um, so make sure to to be following me on Twitter and then also following the Fightful Wrestling account because uh, usually they'll like retweet the stuff that I'm taking pictures for there. So um, those would probably be good ways to kind of see kind of my, my point of view from where I'm at on at a terminus tonight. Uh, we've kind of got some breaking news here that I feel like we sort of got to talk about. Um,
1: Cesaro has exited. This is from PW Insider. So Cesaro has quietly exited from WWE after his current contract expired. Uh, apparently the two sides negotiated, come, come to a new, new agreement and he is a free agent. And because there was, you know, his contract expiration, he's a no 90 days or anything. So kind of show up, Anywhere at any time, um, uh, PW Insider, I assume
2: <laughs> Jensen is uh very excited about Let's this. go, um, this is true. I am very excited about that. Man, he should show up at Terminus tonight, yeah.
1: So, it, I, again yeah, I PW Insider is, is typically reputable on this stuff, so I assume it's true. I, I just asked Sean if uh, he has any confirmation he did it does feel like he just resigned like last year and i can't imagine it was a one-year deal so i i don't that that is what hold. that's what's holding me up as well is that if he did resign not too long ago and it's highly unlikely that he resigned on a one-year deal so uh we will see we will see if uh there's there's more to this if, if sean knows anything or if um yeah, we'll see if there's more to it, but for right now, this is what PW Insider is saying. So if they're wrong, they're wrong. Um, but man, if
2: look if Cesaro's
1: out there roaming around as a free agent, probably another guy going to AEW. Honest,
2: unquestionably, that's like that's a no brainer. He's heading yeah. straight to AEW if he's if he's free. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see if this is true or not. Because what you just said, I highly doubt like you do that that they would do a one year deal for him. Um, But at the same time, if it was a longer deal, you know, and that's the double-edged sword of these WWE contracts is like, even if he did like a three-year deal or something, that doesn't mean that they just decided to move on from him because they just, just don't view him as a star and they want to spend their money on trying to get guys like Steve Austin back. You know what I mean? So like, um, you know, but that, but it would also be frustrating too, if like they let him out of his contract and all these sitting there, like, like, come on y'all, like what the hell? (laughs) Like I'm trying I'm I'm actively trying to get out of this deal and y'all aren't letting me out. Um, I, I hate that about their contracts, by the way, that it's that that the WWE can cut you and not owe you the rest of your money on your deal, but you can't quit. Yeah. So, like, at least in the AEW, like Tony's paying people he's not using on TV. They're still getting the money that they for the amount of time that they signed for, like, like you would in any other sports contract. But um, But yeah, I'll just say this, Um, until I see, like, until I see Sean, I'll just say it, until I see Sean say it, the same with MMA news, until I see, like, Ariel Helwani say it, there's certain guys, like, I'm waiting to see them say this stuff, if Sean confirms that news, and Cesaro is a free agent, like, that is massive for AEW, and just all other wrestling, because he's, I mean, he's been probably... I bet you if you asked 100 WWE fans who's the most underused guy in the WWE, probably at least like 90 would say Cesaro.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he's won that award in like The Observer for about 13 years now. Um, and, say Sean just
2: confirmed it in the chat?
1: Uh, I, t- Sean might have tweeted it. Sean did tell me it was like good to run as a story, which means if he's telling me it's good to run, then that, it means it's it's good to run. Usually if there's, if there's more, then – he would tell me, JJ saying that uh just confirmed it. So yeah, he tweeted confirmation. There you go. Again, he told me it was good to run, which means he feels it's good enough to run and there's not more to, to look into it. So
2: there you go. Cesaro, apparently a free agent. <laughs> wow, that's huge. That is huge. I mean, that he's a guy who like, no offense to anybody else coming into AEW, like Cesaro is immediately AEW world title picture, in my opinion. Like, you put him right in the main event and let him actually go out and show what he's been able to do for all these years, that the WWE just wasn't letting him do. Didn't he beat Seth Rollins clean at Mania last year, and they just did nothing after that with him?
1: Yeah, he got the world title shot against, um, right. against Roman, but really after the Roman
2: feud, just nothing. Absolutely. Wow. Nothing that. That's huge. That's huge. Good for Cesaro too. Like, I mean, I'm I'm not happy that like, you know, he's out of a job at the moment, but like he's not gonna be a free agent for a long yeah, He'll probably sign tonight, though. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh guys, we're gonna go to our creator spotlight with our, our pal um Chris Mueller from, from Bleacher Reports. As usual, I've got to take five hours to pull this up here.
2: Um <laughs> how long was but, yeah, this one? It, about 20 minutes or so? I can't remember. Yeah, we went about minutes, 20
1: minutes yeah. Yeah. with Chris. Cool. Um perfect. Yeah, the Cesaro news. We had the we had to touch on it like that typically we don't have breaking news in the middle of our show so cesaro spotlighting cesaro being a free agent now
2: that's amazing <laughs>
1: all right guys exciting. here's our interview with uh chris mueller from bleacher report welcome back to our creator spotlight today we have from breacher report the doctor chris mueller chris are you actually a doctor
4: uh no, I, I like to preface that in my profile on Twitter by saying I'm not a doctor, I just play one in my head. It's like
2: uh um y'all see the Tiger King? Yes. The, like like Dr. Antle. I was like this guy's not a doctor? Oh, yeah, Doctor, like you yeah. know, or uh, uh, Dr. Mantis Tobaga, that's my favorite doctor from always. <laughs> Why, why,
1: why did you pick doctor? Like, why did you, why did you go with this? This is the the most important scoop we're going to get this entire interview is why you decided to go with the doctor nickname.
4: I did tell this story on Twitter a few years ago when I was like seven, uh, there was this girl who moved into my neighborhood, a Polish girl and barely spoke any English. And she'd somehow made friends with another one of the girls in the neighborhood. And so we were all hanging out and doing something, climbing a tree or whatever. And uh, she fell and busted up her knee real bad. And her parents were like at work. She was kind of like a latchkey kid that was just (laughs) roaming the neighborhood. And so I actually like knew a little first aid. So I cleaned her up and (laughs) like bandaged her up. And from that point forward, she started calling me Doctoro, which was her way of saying doctor in her weird accent. And um, I don't know why like years later, it just like popped back up and I was like, I'm just going to use this for bleacher report again. <laughs> oh, it's cause I, it's cause I ran into her like 15 years later in college and she recognized me and I hadn't seen her since we were like eight years old. <laughs> I couldn't believe it.
1: So, so the nickname started when you were eight years old, as you were saved a little Polish girl's knee from, you know, potential disaster.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: that's awesome actually Uh, her her
4: parents her parents were like super thankful and came over and like told my parents they were really proud of me for helping their daughter
1: uh chris let everyone know sort of what you what you do with bleacher report because you you do interviews you do podcasts but let everyone know your your role when it comes to bleacher report and in the wrestling landscape
4: um, I think my official title is featured columnist. I'm not sure if we really have the titles anymore, but, um, yeah, I basically just cover all things WWE and AEW. I do pretty much all the AEW interviews. Um, and then we have a guy, Graham Matthews. He does all our WWE interviews. Uh, although i'm sure you guys saw it phil just published a piece where he had some comments from AEW stars about the who we are album that was a great article i encourage everybody to go read that um but yeah you know so i i've been doing that for i think october like 21st or something was my 13 year anniversary with bleacher Report. i couldn't believe it wow
2: that's really impressive like to have that kind of like longevity in this kind of thing where people like jump around so often uh, kind of like, uh, you know, company to company for like writers and video editors and that kind of stuff. 13 years is a long time. W- what were you doing before Bleach Report?
4: Uh, management and sales. I worked for <laughs> I worked for U.S. Cellular.
2: Oh, Dude, I'm right here. I worked for AT&T and t and mobile before I got into all this. So, oh, yeah. But,
4: I, uh, yep. I, I did the AT&T and t and mobile with other companies, too. I, I actually, I started doing cell phone stuff back in 2002 when it was VoiceStream. Yeah. When it was Catherine Zeta Jones doing all the (laughs) cell phone commercials and all that. Yeah. So I spent about 12 years in the mobile phone industry. And when U.S. Cellular sold the Chicago market to Sprint, we were I was just out of a job and I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of pick up some more writing stuff other places and then over time i was able to kind of just focus solely on bleacher report
2: yeah that's that's awesome i i i'm i have a lot of similarities there so i i i know what that what that was like coming from like the uh like the high i i'm sure it was the same for you like high stress metrics uh like just you know sales numbers and <clears throat> percentages and just and, oh yeah Yeah. And just like that world is so different then to transition into something you actually really, uh, really enjoy and are passionate about. That's awesome, man.
4: I mean, I I honestly don't think I could go back to that. It was it was truly draining the life out of me. And I give all the credit in the world for people who do those kind of jobs for their entire life, because working on commission and never knowing like because you can be the best salesman in the world, but you can't sell to people who don't walk through the door. So if you're having a slow month, you're having a slow month, you know, you're, you're eating boxed mac and cheese every night or ramen or whatever.
2: Yeah. And, and you've got some dude behind you with like a clipboard, like making sure you're asking all the right questions and like, well, oh, that optimizing was my, that was me. Well, no, was, that, became yeah. me as well. Oh, no that became me too. I, I know. I, 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 I turn to the dark side as well. I, I got into the management side too. And then I became that guy and that's around the time that I started like trying to get out of it. I was like, what am yeah. I doing? Like, this is not, this isn't fun. I made good money as I'm sure you did too, but it's like, who really cares if you like hate your life most of the week, you know what I mean?
4: Oh yeah. I I remember uh, that was actually, believe it or not, my first experiences really doing any writing outside of like school work in college was there. I started a newsletter for our company. Cause I didn't work directly for US Cellular. I worked for an agent. Sure. So it was, it was called, uh, what was it? Cellular Advantage. And I had started a newsletter for the whole company that they just like had me keep going with. And that ended up like kind of just giving me a little bit of practice and learning about formatting and just all that kind of stuff. And cause I was never like, man, if I go back and read some of the stuff I had written in like high school, I'd be embarrassed. You know, like I was not somebody who ever looked at myself as a, as a potential writer until much later. Like I look at somebody like, like Jay shell. She's so young and already has like experience and knows what she wants to do. And Man, when I was that age, I was such a screw up and, you know, it's so cool to see people like that coming up in our community and everybody's, you know, supporting them and everything. It's been awesome.
1: Uh, with the sales, we, we all did sales. I'd worked in, uh, I sold like pool tables and hot tubs, hated it, ended up getting fired, but just absolutely hated <laughs> it. And, like I did writing on the side and then once I get fired, I was like, well, I'm just going to throw myself into this writing stuff now, unfortunately. It, uh it worked out uh chris tell us about one of your worst interviews you've ever done
4: oh, i'm just gonna have man. you bury people
1: just bury some of these wwe people
4: well here's the thing so for wwe i've only ever interviewed four people uh it was rob Schamberger, their resident artist Mm-hmm. I've interviewed him a couple times. We've done some podcasts together. He's a great guy. I love Rob. Um, I encourage everybody to go follow him just because you'll get some awesome artwork in your timeline every day. But I, uh, I talked to three people from the last season of Tough Enough. So it was Mata, Alex Freaky, who was like one of the first couple of people eliminated. And then Daria, who's now Sonia. Mm-hmm. And I would say, even though Mata was like a nice guy, he just didn't seem like he was interested in being interviewed. even though he would like was all about it when I asked him about it, it didn't seem like he thought about answers ahead of time, even though I kind of told him like what we would be talking about. But honestly, I don't think I've ever had a bad interview. Like I saw that video Sean posted with sure. <laughs> with virtual. I've never had anything close to that. Like all my interviews with AEW people have been uh like anything from just like a standard interview to a really fun conversation. Like Ruby Soho is one of the coolest people I've talked to Eddie Kingston was it was just like talking to a regular dude, you know, I didn't feel like he was giving me canned prepared answers. I feel like he was just listening to the question and then answering honestly. So, yeah, I've had really good experiences with my interviews. I've been fortunate.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's all. So I guess on the flip side, who have been, um, so you've had some of your worst and some of your best how, how, outside, like what about like outside of AEW and WWE? Have, have you had a chance to like, I mean, over 13 years, I'm sure you've talked to like non wrestlers or maybe other people kind of involved in wrestling. Is there any other interviews that like, really stand out to you?
4: Uh, actually? Yeah. So after I had interviewed Brian Danielson, Skylar gray, the musician reached out to me and was like, Hey, oh. Elliot Taylor, my fiance wrote this song. We composed it. Would you like to talk about it? So uh, for uh, Graham Matthews channel, WrestleRant, we ended up interviewing Elliot and then we ended up interviewing Skylar because separately she had composed and recorded the end credit song for the second Venom movie. So we were speaking to her about Venom and just music in general, but yeah, Elliot uh, and Skylar were both awesome people, really fun to talk to. Elliot is going to be dropping the full version of Brian Danielson's theme song here soon with vocals and everything, so people should definitely be on the lookout for that. He he texted me about that recently; he was he's really excited about it.
1: Very cool. I wanted to ask you about that because I remember I listened to that when when I saw that it happened because you said that they talked about Daneson interview or Danielson's song. She's like, yeah, I was hungover, Got a message. Do you want to record this? Yeah. What a tremendous story.
4: <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, you can just tell that both of them are really talented musicians. When you, yeah. when you listen to them, talk about the process when they're like, Oh yeah. So, yeah, we wanted to incorporate that Flight of the Valkyries thing, but we couldn't find a recording we liked. So Skylar just went in and composed it herself in the software. And it's like, what? Like to me as a non-musical person, that blows my mind. You know, like I I have no musical ability whatsoever. So when I hear somebody be like, Oh yeah, Skylar can play all these different instruments and she can just go in and, and compose a new version of this iconic song, it, it's crazy to me.
1: Uh, when with your interviews, so one thing you like to do, which I always love, is the the movie reviews. And I remember I'll say you yelled at me. You didn't actually yell at me. But when we first started, <laughs> when, when we first started talking uh, and stuff, first you called me out because I didn't uh, add the. I didn't add your, your authoring name, which that was, was well, all
4: right, let's, (laughs) I didn't call you out. (laughs) I know.
1: know. You you handled it well. I've had people actually like call me out and be like, well, you didn't do this proper credit and this transcription and stuff. And like, a lot of times it's just like, look, this, we did everything by the book and stuff. You're just an idiot. No, Uh, I,
4: I, I've done the same exact thing. Like it just happens sometimes and I'm not about to tear down another dude in my <laughs> field so yeah you know i just i i shot sean a quick message and then when you messaged me back and like you know thank me for handling it that way you know we've been sort of chatting ever since
1: yes you you did handle it the right way of just like hey go to go to me directly go to sean and we'll, we'll get it squared away the people there are people who will go and put it on like public social media and try to like make it a yeah. big deal when it, when it's really not like, it's an oversight. Um, but one thing you again yelled at me about was like when you interviewed Sting and you asked them about, RoboCop <laughs> and you're like, I thought more people were going to pick up like the thunder in paradise and the Robocop stuff. And I was like, I got you, I got you on the thunder in paradise. But you asked these wrestlers about like their, their movies, like a movie they had just watched, like, how did that come about? Where you're like, Hey, what's the movie you just watched? Like review it for me.
4: You know, I I don't remember who it was. It might have been, it might have been Chris Van Fleet. I can't remember, but I watched an interview and they asked somebody just like a completely random question that was totally unrelated to whatever they were promoting. And it ended up just leading to like a couple of minutes of just a really good conversation and good answers. And I'm like, I need to come up with something to get these people to not talk about wrestling for a minute and kind of just give fans... A little bit of a peek into what their personality might be and it's amazing when you look at these people some of them are talking about movies you would not have thought like when i spoke to adam page the movie that he talked about was this movie called uncle frank which is i highly recommend it because i went and watched it after he talked about it it's great it's like paul bettany is this closeted gay man in the 70s whose father outs him in his will out of spite it is this really heavy but incredibly well told story and like you look at adam page and you're like oh that guy's gonna tell you to go watch a hand or a fistful of dollars or like you know a cowboy movie and he's telling me about how he was crying on an airplane watching this movie you know and then you have jade cargill talking about her love for nightmare before christmas because she thinks she's a morbid person like <laughs> you know i i think it's a really cool way to kind of peek into their personality a little bit and just see something other than the character we're presented with on television
2: i love that a- any other ones that come out or stick, stick out to you that you got for answers for movies because that's actually that's not, that's right up jeremy's boat too the whole like wrestlers movies crossover connection and i I, like like chris is like they do so
1: many interviews and they're talking about wrestling in all of these interviews and so you know when we interview interview people just i'm like what kind of music do you like listen to what kind of movies do you do you listen to or do you listen do you watch because yeah like give fans a peek of just hey talk about this match talk about this wrestling stuff like they got plenty of wrestling stories to tell but I feel like it, this is the case with me, and I mean Jensen, you do the grassy dudes and stuff. Like we don't always just want to be talking about wrestling, you know. And, and Chris, same way, like you do, you do the Marvel podcast. Like we don't always just want to be talking about wrestling. And I imagine wrestlers kind of feel the same way, is like they talk about wrestling plenty. Ask them sometimes about non wrestling so, stuff.
2: So let, let me let me re- reframe my question. If you for part A and part B, part A, if you have any others that stick out. That people have brought up to you and then part B what is the most recent movie you watched Chris
4: (laughs) oh okay well part a um, it still cracks me up to this day that Brian Danielson put over the movie wish dragon which is like some (laughs) random kids movie on Netflix because he's like, I'm a dad, I don't watch movies anymore. And then he thought about it. He's like, actually, wait, I did really like this one movie I watched with my daughter. Um, so that one cracked me up. And as far as the last movie that I personally watched was for a podcast, I actually just recorded with Kate recently. Uh, that thing you do. We I went back and rewatched that for, God, probably like the 20th time in my life or something. Um. So yeah, that was super fun. But yeah, I do like talking to people in the wrestling space about things other than wrestling. And that's why I've tried to get a lot of different people on Graham's YouTube channel for the Marvel podcast. Cause I always hear it the same thing from people in wrestling media, whenever we bring them on, which is just like, Oh, it's going to be nice to talk about something other than wrestling. (laughs) Like we just had Rafael Garcia on for the Spider-Man no way home review that we did, it was great.
1: I know you guys have invited me
2: on and I don't watch any of the marbles. But-
4: <laughs> Steven, yeah, you so- a Marvel fan. You want to come on to it? I,
2: I'm, okay. I'm not. I'm not. It's not that I dislike it. I just haven't taken like that deep dive into like all the movies and stuff, but I saw I like, the I saw the original iron man and really liked it. Like I remember seeing that in theaters in college and, uh, I really, really like the first Guardians of the, Guardians of the Galaxy movie a lot. Um, I didn't like the second one as much, but I loved the first one. So I, 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 there's a little bit I can talk about there, but I, I don't have like the deepest, deepest knowledge on it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't hold it against anybody for not liking those movies because even I recognize that they're very formulaic. You can kind of fall into these patterns of they all end with a big fight scene and a, A faceless horde of enemies that the good guys can rip through, and you don't feel guilty about it. You know, it's
2: yeah, the putty patrol.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 titling this interview. Chris miller buries the Marvel universe. Oh god, no.
4: Oh man, (laughs) it's funny because I do love Marvel, but like I'm not gonna sit there and say anything that's not true. It's you know, it it can be repetitive, but I I do think that post Endgame. It's all been super interesting to me. Like WandaVision is one of the best things I've seen in years, and that's because I grew up on Nick at Night sitcoms, watching those after I was supposed to be asleep. Like you know, Lucy and Desi, Dick Van Dyke, Cheers, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I loved WandaVision. I love all that Marvel stuff. I'm I loved Peacemaker. Oh my god, that is going to turn John Cena into an even bigger star.
2: Yeah, guy that i do my podcast with on Tuesdays, doug he has been raving about that show i haven't seen it but i probably will check that out because i hear scene is like so so the complete opposite on that show is like what you're used to seeing him as in like the wwe so this sounds interesting to me
4: yeah i honestly this season of peacemaker uh it's the first season i believe that this solidified him to me as the best pro wrestler turned actor, as far oh, as wow. actual acting ability. Because wow. there are scenes where he cries. There are scenes where he's dancing in his underwear. There's scenes where he's having these like big arguments with his super racist father. He pulls it all off so much better than you'd ever think if you just know him from the marine. Like, you know, I love Batista as an actor too. I think he's actually a much more skilled actor than a lot of people realize if you really pay attention to his work but the rock is the rock in everything right so yeah. out of like those are the three big names to come out of pro wrestling and transition into acting and i i think cena is at the top of the list for me now
1: i would say the bar is like kind oh, of low because oh very guys <laughs> like i mean piper was good piper was very good and, and they live but he need his like full resume isn't uh, that big he was
2: great and always sunny as the maniac
1: true
2: yeah
1: yeah like piper is up there people i don't think people forget about piper and they live but and he know, was in a bunch at,
4: like, of other movies too like some smaller stuff but I, I was looking at his filmography not that long ago and i was like oh i've never heard of half these
1: right like, like what i was getting is like nowadays people just kind of know like okay cena batista rock because they're doing these big budget films and stuff and then other people might do some stuff like john morrison has done like smaller films um you know, we've, we've reviewed a bunch of terrible did, movies did, all did, the WWE film the Miz is in all the marine oh, yeah. films did, kurt, kurt angles
4: but yeah stuff. kurt
1: angle
2: is in a bunch of bad films um for morrison like, did did you, did you watch that movie with him like wrestling a dog no, I did not see. This movie. Oh, I, oh, oh, I, did, I didn't. Because I know you were reviewing bad movies for a while. There's a movie where John Morrison like wrestles like like a terrier dog in like the main <laughs> event of like this movie. It's so bad. Anyway, it's, this
1: sounds horrible. Yeah, like nowadays, a bunch of wrestlers in movies that are very like Hogan yeah. was obviously the big first one and Hogan Triple like, H doing, tried. Yeah, yep. that was that was awful. The Chaperone Blade.
4: Um, blade he had a very small part. Yeah, very
1: small part in that uh yeah. like hogan did you know his he was hulk hogan in most of these films and it was so bad it was it was good type yeah. of thing when it comes to hogan Cena yeah, is like definitely
4: three ninjas yeah behind <laughs> cena, me in a mega mountain yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cena is definitely a guy that like i've seen most of his films and it is just very much all right like he's kind of playing john cena sort of stuff like it, he was good he was very good in train wreck i thought he was tremendous in train wreck Um, but I, I do want to watch Peacemaker because I've heard a lot of good things about it. So to, to, for you to say that, like, he's sound like the best wrestler turned actor, it's pretty low bar, but also like kind of high praise.
4: Yeah. And it's, I don't think you have to go watch the suicide squad movie that he was in first necessarily, but it helps because it does pick up right after that movie. So there might be a few things where you're like, oh, well, why is, you know, he in a hospital? Like, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's all on HBO Max now. And I I've been preaching about this ever since it came out. The opening credits to that show, have you guys at least seen that floating mm-hmm. around?
1: i've no. not seen anything from this oh
4: show. look it up <laughs> uh, uh just the opening credit sequence is john cena and the entire cast dancing to a song in like a warehouse space it's amazing it's one of the funniest things you'll ever see
2: awesome
1: yeah I'll check it out all right we have to watch peacemaker now jensen
4: <laughs> uh chris wh-
1: chris where can the people find you at
4: uh, other than on you know the BR app and and com, the only social I really have is Twitter, so br underscore doctor there. And uh, I, I pop up on other people's podcasts a lot. I'm I'm still like gun shy about trying to never start one myself, but um I was just like I said, I was with Kate on Tom Clark's 6M podcast, and then uh, I did Ryan Dilbert's Flight of Five recently, and yeah. So I just tend to pop around.
1: Chris, everyone check out his work at Bleacher Report. Follow him at Br Doctor. We appreciate you uh, joining us today, buddy. And, you know, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the wrestling that has come. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the interview. We'll be right back in just a we We're back here on the spotlight. Appreciate Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report joining us. We found out that he's not an actual doctor, Steven Jensen
2: yeah yeah kind of like dr antel as i said earlier so
1: (laughs) uh yes guys we did voice is completely gone again we did touch on the cesaro news sean has confirmed it there is more on on fightful select everyone go to fightful select subscribe subscribe there give us all your money and when you subscribe there what can you do steven jensen
2: you listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast, that's what you can do. It's every Sunday. Talk in the world of independent pro wrestling. We'll have a lot of GCW talk this weekend. We'll have a lot of IWTV talk this weekend. Speaking of IWTV, use code Fight Talk, one word, no spaces. Put that in the promo code spot on IWTV.live or independent And that helps me out when you use that code. And uh yeah, I'm trying to think of tonight. I'll be at Terminus, so we will not be doing the Twitch stream that we normally do on Fightful Gaming, but every other Thursday, check that out. Myself and Joel Pearl playing Mario Kart. That's twitch.tv slash fightful gaming. And once again, if you're at Terminus tonight, please come by and say hi. It would uh it would make my night to uh to meet some people that are part of this fightful community to if you're at the show. So um so yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore and I'll uh keep all myself updated there. Guys,
1: everyone can head over to YouTube.com slash FightfulOverbooked right now, or just FightfulOverbooked.com. We have the the full-on URL. Uh, so you can go to FightfulOverbooked.com. Will Washington is live with uh, Jay Shell, talking day after Dynamite, reviewing last night's Dynamite, talking all the news. The ratings are about to come out here pretty shortly, I think. I think they're back on schedule after the holiday, so I'm sure they'll be getting into that. So plenty to talk about. Uh, you can message in there that will and i have heat or don't have heat anymore (laughs) but a lot of good stuff on on fightful overbooked we got content dropping every single day tomorrow jensen will be back on on that channel with the grassy dudes with him and sp3 before the grassy dudes sp3 and i will be on there with friday morning coffee talking basketball and a lot of other non-wrestling stuff joel pearl is always doing stuff kate kate is on there kicking joel pearl's ass uh in (laughs) let me tell you why you're wrong. Or or Why You're Wrong. I don't know the names of most of these shows. Joel, what are the names of these shows? So Bad It's Good is on there with Joel and Josh Robinson. Tim and Joel, Tim and Joel Pod is on there as well. A lot of different stuff going up with there. Uh, some guy named Lambs is is dropping scoops over <laughs> on on Fifle Overbooked. I've never seen this man in my life. I don't know who this man, here's Why You're Wrong is what it's called. I've um, heard
2: about that guy, Lambs. I've heard about yeah, him. Yeah, he's
1: causing trouble he's causing trouble lambs is uh, but he's got a lot of good scoops from what i hear so everyone can can go over there and uh check out check out that show uh, guys we appreciate all the support jensen and i will be back next week new episode of the spotlight we'll, we'll talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling we appreciate you guys we'll talk to y'all next week
3: everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day